0: Catholic Dis-Info Hour, celebrating its second year of weekly production. The Rundown is a collaborative Catholic news and opinion show endeavoring to expose and mock the Build Back Better New World Order in both civil society and the Church. We've correctly predicted lockdowns, mandates, elections, and public frauds of all manner. Covidians hate us, normies try to ignore us, and fake news organizations wish they could be us. This is The Rundown.
1: Brought to you by Restoring the Faith Media. RestoringTheFaith.com. Angling
2: for, for decades now, and we are going to fight back. Senator, how are you feeling? I am angry. Angry and upset? Angry and upset and determined. The United States Congress can keep Roe versus Wade the law of the land. They just need to do it. I, I've never seen you so angry. You seem to be. This is what the Republicans have been working toward this day for decades. They have been out there plotting, carefully cultivating these Supreme Court justices so they could have a majority on the bench who would accomplish something that the majority of Americans do not want. 69% 69% of people across this country, across this country, red states and blue states, old people and young people want Roe versus Wade to maintain as to the law the land. The you, we need Thank to we, do no, that. This abortion law goes beyond a woman's issue and it goes beyond anything you can ever imagine. The societal implications of this are going to be insane. The amount of, uh, just pain and damage this is gonna cause and the full ability to tell a woman what she can and can't do with her body and we're going back into a handmaid's tale society here. And we to stand, have a right dismember extremists. We've heard enough every from the extremists. And we're no open the door from the Constitutional Bible. All of you women who sat home, all you young girls adults over 18 years old who did not go out and vote who did not think that you need to protect your womb we're now back in the dark ages Here i was sitting in los angeles in my beautiful office of my own late night talk show soon i would be driving my hybrid car to my beautiful fucking home to kiss my two beautiful and healthy children and my husband who had taken the year off to parent so I could focus on my career.
3: No more joking about it being a handmaid's tell. It will be.
2: I have all of this, all of it, because, because, because I was allowed bodily autonomy at 15.
4: We do know where Biden stands. He's a he's a he's a
5: Roman Catholic. He does not believe in abortion. But-
2: will not be shamed into being quiet. We will not be shamed into being quiet. Never again. I will never stop talking about my abortion or my periods or my experiences in childbirth. my
0: Okay, that was pretty pretty funny. (laughs) This is the rundown of Fab Four special Saturday night broadcast. All four of us are here. It's happening. Roe v. Wade potentially being uh, undone. We're going to break that down. That's for sure our top story tonight. I have to give you a disclaimer, though. The disclaimer is this. We're going to show you some demons tonight. We're going to show you some unhinged, truly wicked, possibly possessed people. These people are going to say things that I cannot possibly edit out. They're going to do things. That I cannot possibly edit out. This is not a show that is for children. It's Saturday night. Why are your kids up this late anyway? It's like that. It's, a, it's 10 o'clock. Do you know where your children are? So again, when we get to these videos, we'll give you another disclaimer. Thank you, Ryan, for uh, finding all of them and, and loading them. Um, It's going to be bad. It's going to be gruesome. It's going to be demonic. But this is the information that you're going to need to see before tomorrow and we're going to break that down and talk about that that's going to be our top story but before we get to all this normally i I have to give the disclaimer guys before we get to the groomer section the groomer section tonight is so tame in comparison to the roe v wade stuff that we're going to do the groomer stuff first and um here's here's our first first groomer story tonight uh i think this is the one this is the one where she says, uh, all of my kids are queer because I'm queer. I think that's this one.
3: My kids from last year are now in fifth grade and they come visit me almost every day after school and a lot of them are queer because I am queer and so, and they figured it out and so I've become their safe space. And today, they found my guess who and they started playing guess who but they didn't play it the normal way. How did they play it? They use things like, this person looks like a lesbian baddie who's going to come over and make you dinner. Well... Which one of these characters is gonna be is a lesbian baddie that's gonna move over and make you dinner? Oh, Olivia is. Oh, great. Um, which character just looks gay? Well, meet Mike. Um, these kids. I'm so happy that they are figuring out who they are and that they're happy with.
0: Why couldn't she say Michael? <laughs> anyway, um, as we are going to progress tonight, we're going to be talking about groomers. We are going to be talking about the Great Reset. We do have some updates on. The experimental injections. Guys, I don't even know where to start. Ryan, where where do we even start with this? Because the bottom line is we need to prep people for what's going to happen tomorrow. I feel like we should talk about that and then maybe show the demonic stuff at the end. What do you think?
5: Yeah, I don't see why we can't do that.
0: They're making threats on churches, folks. They are literally saying tomorrow on Mother's Day, they're coming into the Roman Catholic churches. Ryan, we do have video on this, but... Tee, tee this off for us
5: okay so you have these movements one is uh ruth sent us uh, to which i've added from hell um <clears throat> and uh to go in all the churches there, there's several other ones i wouldn't be surprised if it wasn't a coordinated event but then again at this point now it just has to be i support the current thing and we see how quickly that went from the uh you know the ukrainian flag to all of a sudden now uh protect our womb by destroying what's in the womb um that, that makes perfect sense somehow uh, all of a sudden all the people who were uh, you know demanding you be forcibly injected with a, you know the that old bit now they're 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 talking about again suddenly back to my body my choice oh wow that that works now that didn't work when we were actually talking about put some putting something in your body so as so all these lesions are just going bananas and so now they're talking about doing protests in churches, um, and we've we have some video tonight that is really shocking of some things that they've already tried to start doing. Yeah, uh, it could be as bad as they start coming in and getting violent in the churches i think it'll be more along the line of they start coming in topless in the churches with various Mm -hmm. blasphemies Mm -hmm. written on their bodies and things of this sort
0: yeah i think the obscenities and the the blasphemies the profit for the profanation is what they're going for for sure i saw a tweet today brother martin and it said this is from ruth sent us from hell parentheses uh ryan's ryan's edition that says that we we would like to obtain the Holy Eucharist and set it on fire, that that's what we're going for, because you Catholic justices did this to us, so we're going to go after the Roman Catholics. This is now, uh, in any in any sane environment, this would be called a hate crime, but because it's against Catholics, it's cool.
6: What's pretty interesting is a few years ago, um, in the Diocese of Oklahoma City, in the Archdiocese of Oklahoma City, uh, Archbishop Coakley, that's who the Archbishop is down there. He, he was pretty clever in the sense that uh, there was someone who was going, going to have a Black Mass. And, of course, for a Black Mass, they, they wanted a consecrated host um, to have their Black Mass. Well, they publicized the fact that they actually obtained a consecrated host. Um, with communion in the hand, that's not exactly that hard these days. I've shared my Halloween story about people you know, being able to steal uh, a host because of communion in the hand. But um, he was pretty smart in the sense that as, as the bishop of that diocese, he was able to say that that consecrated host is my property. And so the fact that you have a consecrated host, you've stolen my property. And so they backed – they canceled the Black Mass and everything because they publicized that they, they had a consecrated host, and, and that was that. That was, that was the end of it. There was no Black Mass. So if these people actually want to go around burning consecrated hosts, I think the bishops very much have uh, precedent in, in uh, actually filing lawsuits against these, these groups. And who are these groups? Who is backing them? I'm sure George Soros is backing all of these guys, um, but that's what they want to do. So, I mean, another reason to, to stop a um, communion in the hand. Another reason to I mean, if they're going to come in and physically steal your property, then, yeah, yeah you got to you got to stop them um, physically because you can't let that happen to our Lord. That many, many of martyrs have, have been made because defending the Holy Eucharist, um, especially from the communist era. So, I mean, tomorrow is
0: May 5th uh, in the United States. If you're watching this uh, overseas already, it's already May 5th. Um, In this country, it's Mother's Day uh, in the United States, James. And so as an inversion of Mother's Day, the people who hate motherhood are going to make deliberate attacks on Roman Catholic churches. We're now being targeted. Um, there have already been attacks in the last couple of days. There are images of churches that have been defaced, defamed, desecrated in some cases. Um, this reminds me, James, of two years ago, the summer of fun, summer of uh, mostly peaceful protests, in which you saw Uniparostera decapitated in California. And Bishop Robert Baron Beefcake said, "Not my problem," because Vatican II says it's the ladies' job. To protect the public
7: square, not the bishop. And we're seeing um, this thing now come to fruition where uh, people are looking for uh, guidance. And so, the precedent, wh- whether or not it was set by Barron or his predecessors uh, going into 2020, uh, I suppose this has been a long trend of, uh, uh, you know, sort of uh, uh, cockled up uh, bishops who are afraid to act as they should. And so we're seeing now uh, in Barron that uh, figure that has uh, basically haunted the church for uh, sixty almost sixty years, you know. And now, uh, you know, people who are supposed to speak cannot speak anymore. They're remaining silent because they expect us uh, to to fight. We don't have leaders in this game who have skin in the game. You know, they're looking at us <laughs> to to lead. And I said elsewhere, I believe it was I believe it was on uh, Twitter today. It said you know there's so much evil that's prevalent right now and this is a time where uh there is there are forces of evil aligned against good there's a clear de- uh, demarcation you know but yet you know the christians uh who are on the front lines the, sh- the foot soldiers they have they have no general you know and yeah. we're supposed to look to ourselves to carry this war without yeah, a spiritual aspect right. aspect aspect of uh, leadership it's asinine
0: that's, that's, that's apparently what Vatican II says, uh, ladies and gentlemen. Vatican II says that we're, uh, we're supposed to just lead ourselves, I guess. Um, okay, that's, that's the primer. That's the primer. So um, things may get a little dicey tomorrow. No one is advocating for violence uh, other than I, I will say this, and uh, maybe we can go quickly around the room one more time on the principle um, here's what I think is the, is the Catholic principle, Ryan. Correct me if I'm wrong. Every human being has a natural right to self-defense. To the extent uh, that you can defend yourself against another person, great. You, an individual cannot defend himself, his family, or his property against a violent mob. Therefore, an individual has a, right, a natural right to band together with like-minded Catholics in order to defend himself, his, his property, his family from an angry mob. That's the first principle. The second principle is that Almighty God has a has an absolute, uh, divine right to be. Or it's it's a we we have a uh, it's divine law that we must worship Him, especially on the Sabbath. Uh, the, the manner in which we do that is uh, is through the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass. It is it is the only uh, fitting uh, sacrifice that we can possibly make. It is the highest form of prayer, and that that the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass, especially on a Sunday or holy day. Cannot, never can be canceled or quelled in the face of a secular mob or a uh, or a, a government or a uh, non governmental organization or what have you. So those are the two principles that people need to keep in their minds. Ryan, uh, what do you think of that?
5: Well, I think that's especially uh, you know preservation of life. St. Thomas talks about this very clearly in in the summa in terms of that it's part of natural law that you get that you have um you know depending on your state you even have an obligation to preserve your own life there might be occasions where you can offer yourself to to die in for this or that sort of thing and obviously the supreme you know sacrifice to offer yourself as a holy martyr but outside of that um you know in just general things that you need to preserve your own life and the means used for self-defense determined by time technology culture etc And so, yeah, you have a right to do that, even in a church. I mean, historically speaking, it's true. People left their weapons outside of church. But I mean, you have to look at like the Maccabees in the Old Testament. They said, oh, we don't fight on the Sabbath. You know, uh, then eventually we're going to be killed because they know we're not supposed to fight in the Sabbath. So we're going to have to do it. Otherwise, we'll all be wiped out. So it's a similar thing. Recognizing the circumstances there are a lot of churches where people can steal carry. And in the current climate, it's actually a good thing. So when we're dealing with the mob, yeah, you basically, you form a militia, right? you form a, a some unit for self-defense of multiple families. And that's one of the things that's going to have to happen. And so, and also to defend our churches. Okay. And that's the first thing. Second, when it comes to, um, you know, mass there, there may be prudential reasons for the church to suppress the, the precept to attend mass for a given, you know, reason or another, just objectively speaking, but if you're going to say, okay, well, we're going to give in to the mob and we're going to give in to the state and we're going to give in to all these things. Now it's just human respect. Okay. There's no prudence in, in something that's from human respect. It's just worldliness. Oh yeah. Well, it'll make the government mad if we have mass today. That's the wrong reason. Um, it, it's, uh, you, you need to continue because God must be worshiped. And, you know, it, <clears throat> the, the the date is transferred from the Sabbath to Sunday by Christ's resurrection from the ancient fathers. That's been hallowed by by Christian you know use since since the beginning of the church, and the church determines that we're going to do that by with the precept to attend mass, and so uh, being afraid of the world is not a legitimate reason to. You know, to say, "All right, no, no, nobody come. We're going to close the church today. We're going to say mass in secret." That's not the way we should be doing things, unless we are a cowed, fearful people, mm-hmm. instead of a you know a people re- rejoicing in the triumph of Christ at Easter, which we just celebrated.
0: I'm hearing a lot of mixed messages online, gentlemen, from commentators who are saying, "You know, uh, oh, you, you can never advocate violence. You can never advocate." And, and and violence isn't the answer, and all you need is your rosary. Well, guys, <laughs> James, you needed more than a rosary to liberate the Holy Land from the Mohammedans, Okay. You need I mean, yes, the rosary is great, and we have to pray the rosary, but Don Juan prayed the rosary and then he fired his guns at Lepanto. Okay. Right. So uh I kind of feel like we need to give our we need to give God a little bit more to work with. Then just kneeling with our rosaries, we need to be prepared, in my opinion, to offer a proportionate amount of violence in defense of holy things. It's called piety, right?
7: You know, I mean, I don't know, Mike, all this sounds really sort of like uh, hate speech that's been going around a lot of uh, white nationalists in the last couple of days. And so <laughs> I am highly triggered. I I don't even know why I'm on this broadcast. No, but you're you're absolutely right. I think the better thing for us to do is consider actually uh, dyeing our hair blonde and, uh, a, you know, asking uh, the mob to forgive us as we hand out cookies uh, or, excuse me, as our children hand out cookies. No, oh, this is
8: no. this oh, is no. absolutely,
7: yeah, this is absolutely asinine. You know, we, we are, of course, you know, we have the right as fathers, mothers, uh, adults acting in uh, a local parentis, you know, to do what is right in order to safeguard the least among mm-hmm. us. And sometimes this does involve things that we don't necessarily want to, to talk about openly because it might be uh, misconstrued. But the idea is you cannot, for one second, cower down to the mob. You have to do those things which is expected of you as, again, father, mother, uh, anybody, any adult acting in, in loco parentis. You know, you, you have the right to meet that uh, violence that is exacted upon you. And we cannot cower from that. Of course, we have to pray. Praying is always the first thing. You know, I, I, I'd I rather be praying the rosary and acting while I'm praying the rosary. You know, and this is what is expected yeah. of me. You know, we are confirmed Catholics and we have to act like it. You know, we can't cower down and, and pull back just because we're being kicked or spit on. You know, we have to stand, stands forcefully and act forcefully.
0: Brother Martin, I wanted to introduce a new segment to the show. Um, I don't know where it's going to land in the show every week, but it's called the Worst of of Twitter segment. And what we will endeavor to do is demonstrate to people how bad and toxic the clerics on Twitter are. So to debut us this week, I'm going to read the following tweet from Father Dwight Longenecker. It says, quote, planning for protests at your Catholic church on Sunday. Get some of your folks to bake a batch of cookies. And if protesters show up, Get the children to give the cookies to them and say, thank you for coming to Mass today. Brother
6: Martin, reactions? The first thing that came to mind after reading that tweet of getting the children was, I think several years ago, we all remember this, there was a picture of a, uh, a bishop in Holland, the Netherlands. Uh, he was just talking about, I guess, re- reproductive rights or whatever. And there was, there was two feminists who were throwing water at him as he sat there at his desk and they were, they were topless. And they said, my body, my choice on their, you know, they wrote it with paint all over their their stomachs and stuff. And that was the first thing that came to mind. Like these are the people that are going to be protesting. These people that, you know, have no sense of decency decorum, um And and you want to put children on the front lines, children on the front lines to encounter them. Like, it's insane. I can't even, it's not even a joke. Like, it's not funny in any sense. You know, I, I don't know what he was doing. But in in terms of the segment, there are some normally Twitter, Twitter priests that they just want to show how non-professional, non-priestly, just basically that they behave like middle school children, I guess, to attract children to them. I don't know why, Um, but just to make make people that are younger's senses fall down and to be approachable, something along those lines. Uh, But the reality is what we really need, what this society really needs is true fatherhood a real model of fatherhood. Um, so that's what yeah. the, the, the priests ought to be presenting themselves as online as, as real true fathers um, as much as one can online. Cause of course you can't really be a true father, just, you know, behind a keyboard, but at least pre- presenting oneself as such. Um, and, and they're doing the exact opposite. They're presenting themselves as children. I mean, we've, we've played a couple of videos one time of a priest dancing, you know, and a priest on a skateboard and, you know, with maybe with some lightsabers or whatever else. Um, but their, their, their behavior online is is, is, is scandalous, but they, they will never admit that they're, that they're a cause of scandal.
0: I want people to hold in your minds. I want you to fix this notion of sending your children into the mobs. Uh, and I, what I want you to do right now is I want you to send your children out of the room. This is your final warning. I'm going to play you a couple videos now of the mobs gathering uh, steam. And, I want you to imagine while you watch these videos and I think what I'll do is I'll play them back to back. There's a language warning. Uh, Ryan and I talked about this, about whether or not we were going to play some of these. Um, they're, they're, it's just impossible to edit out all of the obscenities and the blasphemies. Um, it's impossible to edit out the, the the shocking and despicable behavior of these people. But this is a show for primarily geared towards adult men who provide and protect for their family, who have to have a realistic understanding of what it is that we are facing. So hold in your mind this idea from Longenecker, Father Longenecker, that you're gonna send your children with, with Girl Scout cookies into this mob. Ro- keep your rosary off my ovaries. Here's another one.
9: Without this basic right, women can't be free. Without this basic
2: right, women can't be free.
9: Be the be free. free. Be. Abortion on the men and without apology. Oh, without oh, this basic oh. right, women can't be free. Abortion on the men and without apology. Without this basic right, women can't be free. Abortion
2: on demand and without apology. Without, without this basic, basic right, women can't, can't be free. Abortion on demand and without, without apology.
9: Without this basic right, women can't be free. Abortion on demand and without apology. Without this go.
0: Go. go. That's what we're going to see in our churches, potentially. Here's what we're going to see in our streets. and now i'm going to play you the most obscene one it's four minutes there's no editing this is how it was broadcast to the internet uh if you need to take a four minute break and you don't want to see this that's fine This is uh, we just showed you L.A. Now we got to show you New York. You know, the Big Apple always has to outdo the softies on the on the left coast. And having lived in Manhattan and Los Angeles, I will tell you that everything is more extreme in New York. Um, Four minutes, raw, unedited. This is who Father Longenecker thinks you should engage with your children, bringing her some cookies. Maybe that'll calm her down. (inaudible)
2: <inaudible> Let the fuck Benedict. <inaudible> Why the are
9: this? are fucking business, <But>
10: I'm killing the baby. I'm killing
2: the motherfucking baby. I'm killing her. I'm killing the baby.
9: About that? I'll put
0: That's two minutes. I can't do anymore. I'm sorry. I thought I could last uh, the four minutes. This is what's happening in your Catholic churches already. This is what's happening from New York to Los Angeles across these United States. I want to read you one more time the tweet from Father Dwight Longenecker. Get some of your folks to bake a batch of cookies. And if protesters show up, get the children to give the cookies to them and say, thank you, for coming to mass, reaction rhyme.
5: Not a chance in in uh, Hades would I put my kids out there uh, with that mob. I mean, especially with the mob has its own energy. Sudden something reacts. All of a sudden, next thing you know, they're beating down your kids. But even besides that, this woman in the the last video, particularly is wearing nothing and we're going to see worse than what she is um, out there. And just scream about killing babies. That's a horrible traumatizing thing for a kid to see. Frankly, it's traumatizing for us. Um, Even when we were doing our pre-show, you know, look at some of these videos, it was hard to get through that video, especially because of the blasphemies, because of the profanity. I mean, I hear profanity here and there and whatever it's, that's not so much in and of itself, but being directed against the church, against, you know, the, the people that are there praying in um, the blasphemy against our Lord and God, the Father. It's uh, it, it's a lot to take. And you don't want to expose your kids to, to where things like that are happening. Uh You don't. So that that is a real problem. And, you know, and I wonder where cities where have liberal uh, police departments were like, for example, I don't know if it's the case now, but in Pittsburgh, uh, 20 years ago, you know, we come down from the university to pray at the uh, abortion clinic there. Uh, the head of the police in Pittsburgh was on the board of directors for the abortion clinic. So how much, uh, you know, effort are they going to put into protecting people coming out of masses? It's a big thing.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. No, a very fair question. James, um, I hope that you attend a parish that's going to have pretty beefed up security I hope that uh, none of your parishioners are going to take Father Longenecker's advice and send their innocent, beautiful uh, children into a mob. I mean, I can't—I can't think of worse advice than that. I—I I, I mean, I literally can—I—I I would struggle to think of worse advice than that. I mean, maybe just kill your kids. Maybe would w- would would probably be better. It'd be more merciful and to corrupt
7: yeah. them. Yeah, you know, um, I, I, I'm i pretty hopeful. I, I'm sure it is going to be the case where people are um, already of that mindset that protecting children uh, is not uh, uh, something foreign uh, because the culture around us, of course, is already uh, almost lost. And so people are in that idea that, you know, you have to protect your children at all costs, which, of course, means not taking advice uh, such as Father Longenecker has laid, laid out, you know. So I I'm not suspecting I'll see, uh, you know, parishioners sort of given in to that sort of false uh, charity, you know. And whether or not he dials this down going forward, whether or not he pulls back and says, oh, you know, I didn't really mean it this way or that way, you know. The, the proof is in a pudding, you know. Uh, you, you know, you you can't uh, sort of uh, treat this as um, an opportunity to to sort of uh cower you know by you know offering some sort of false uh you know presentation of uh you know charity it, you know it's not what it's it's not it's not why we're in this in this war you know to bake cookies and to put out children who are the least of uh, you know of us in front of this mob uh to, to harass we've seen what they've done to adults imagine what's going to happen when children are involved um and having lived like you haven't lived in dc in uh in uh new york You know, the idea was always, you know, one can't raise a family uh, walking down the streets, you know, to mass because on any given Sunday, walking out of a parish into, uh, you know, a heavily populated area of a downtown or whatever it is in a big city like uh, Manhattan or Washington, D.C., for instance, you're met with uh, things of this nature. So it's not it's not foreign. It's just people who kind of decide to, to wise up when they're raising young families and move away from such places because. You know you've got two choices you know you can either cower down which is kind of what he's uh he's not implying obviously but you know the, 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 the message is well you know don't don't uh, uh, provoke them you know when the opposite is going to be happening they're going to be uh provoking us you know by wanting to act against us in a violent manner so you have to understand if you're in such a situation you can't cower back i've said this earlier on you can't cower you, you've been confirmed we've all been confirmed we have to act with prudence with justice, we have to meet whatever uh, uh, act you know they might exact against us with the, with a proportional uh, response. That's just the reality.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, not to dunk on Father Longnecker too much longer, brother. But I just want to get you, like, get your your take. You, these people are obviously possessed. They're not rational. Girl Scout cookies from an innocent child are not going to snap them out of their demonic obsession or uh, or or worse Um, the idea of exposing our children to this grave evil is so repulsive and so repugnant to me. I I, I don't even, I I can't imagine this man is a married man. He's a married priest. I think he came in from Anglican or something. He's got a bunch of kids. I cannot imagine that he would in, that he would actually send his children out into these moms. And to be fair, he maybe wasn't imagining these moms when he tweeted that, but this is a, this is a correction that has to be made. We have to stand for the purity of our children at all costs. And we are living in perhaps the most saturated uh, society uh, of, of all time, saturated with evil, in which custody of the eyes, custody of the senses uh, and the mind, especially the imagination is nearly impossible, uh, depending on where you live. For example, if you have to go to mass in certain parts of Los Angeles, if you have to drive through West Hollywood, it's impossible. To shield your your children from uh, from grave grave imagery so uh, that all being said land the plane on this terrible advice the worst take in perhaps in the history of clerical twitter but it i think every week we're gonna find something to talk about <laughs> i just have a feeling
6: no you're right i mean father Longnecker is someone who writes books he's a marriage so that means he has to provide income for his family other than simply his stipend that he gets from his diocese, from his parish, whatever. And so a lot of these people that need money tend to uh you know see where the wind's blowing before they actually speak and try to speak along the lines that's most popular that will get them the most fame, get them the the, the biggest crowd to buy their books or whatever other grift that they have. Um Father Longnecker does write books. He has a, a blog, um, all that kind of stuff. So and w- when I see stuff like that from from Father Longnecker, I immediately assume that it's 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 simply him playing the game to try to find some way to support his family while being a priest, because a priest being a priest doesn't support a family, which is one of the reasons why a practical reason, not a theological reason, but a practical reason why married priests just aren't a good idea. Um, but that was the kind of thing is is he was just walking his line. That that very last quote that he says, you know, thank you for coming to mass today, was ultimately the, the punchline because that's what all the normie priests. Uh, Just think that it's going to be the most successful form of evangelization is just being welcoming, being welcoming. Thank you for coming to mass today. As if, you know, like uh, it's actually really personal that we actually appreciate that that person is there rather than just a number in our pew. Um, So, yeah, I think he was just walking the line. He thought he was playing it safe. He thought it was a good idea. Um, He really didn't understand the gravity of uh, putting out the idea that you'd be putting your children in front of these, these mobs, these angry mobs. Of course, he's in South Carolina, so maybe he didn't realize the mobs are that bad. But that again goes into living in your own world, posting something on on social media that is, in one sense, a form of globalization. It goes everywhere, you know, and everybody interprets it according to their own circumstances and such. Um, but yeah, it was it was absolutely an, a very imprudent tweet on on many levels, mm-hmm. uh, and and unfortunately, it's it's not uncommon.
0: No, it's not, and it is unfortunate. Okay, so what we're gonna do? We're gonna talk. We're gonna like unpack the whole row thing because there's so much more. We're gonna talk about the leak. We're gonna talk about why now, why it was leaked, what we think is actually gonna happen, when is when the opinion is gonna come out, and all of that. But we're gonna make you wait until the second half of the show because we have to get to the Scam people. Bill Gates walking it back. Here he is. It wasn't until early February when I was in a meeting
10: that experts at the foundation said there's no way. You know this. There's been too much uh, travel without diagnosis uh, for us to contain this, and then at that point we didn't really understand the fatality rate. You know, we didn't understand that it's a fairly low fatality rate and that it's a disease mainly of the elderly, kind of like flu is, although a bit different than that. So that was a pretty s- scary period, right. uh, where the world didn't go on alert, including the United States nearly as fast as it needed to
0: okay we didn't (laughs) sorry right i'm gonna keep a straight face on this segment we didn't understand the fatality rate because anyone who pointed it out was suppressed off of all social media platforms we now know it's a lot like the flu although it's different so it's both things at the same time this is how liberals speak, you know, uh, a thing can be and not be at the same time, principle of non-contradiction. Um, and uh, But 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 now that we know, maybe we can be more reasonable because the next one is coming down the pike. I, I mean, this guy, you can't make this up. You literally can't. Bill Gates is walking back the, the scamdemic of the last two years.
5: Well, because everyone's ignoring it. Everyone's more or less themselves moved on in most places in this country. And a lot of Europe, and in other parts of the world where they're allowed to anyway, uh, unless you're like in Shanghai or something like that. So it's um, it's one of these things that I look at, it. it's gaslighting. Uh, it's another level of gaslighting the public. And, you know, here, get ready for my medical advice, because I have the exact same medical degree that uh, Dr. Gates has. Zero, kids, <laughs> none, right. whatsoever. And I don't even <laughs> pretend to play a doctor on TV um, or an epidemiologist or whatever you know and so gates is uh he's a is a manager and he's a fundraiser for all of these different groups and his net worth has increased while being a philanthropist Mm -hmm. and so he's uh his only job is to be out there to kind of seed these narratives to put these things in and now it's just a recognition of what everybody feels everybody knows and accepts that the unspecified virus of unspecified origin was a bit of a dud as far as pandemics go but That's a surprise because it was the same thing with swine flu back in 2012, H1N1, which was lining up to be the biggest, scariest swine flu. And, of course, what did they do? They produced a jab. The jab started having harmful effects, Bell's palsy and uh, Guillain-Barre syndrome right off the bat. And once they had, I think, about 10 cases of that, they yanked it. Yeah. Because, oh, this is too dangerous. But, uh, you know, and now, of course, we saw the predations of the last two years. And so well,
0: and that, that was under the Obama administration, too. And lots of people died from that. I mm-hmm. mean, we're talking about like tens of millions of people had that virus and lots of people died from it. But it, but we never even read about I mean, we never shut down. We never no mm-hmm. one no one ever told you you're not allowed to buy Skittles anymore.
5: I think the infrastructure wasn't in place at the time, too. I think it started to test. The general you know will in the population and mm-hmm. there wasn't enough seriousness by it. and part of that was too was the media the media wasn't reporting it and there are different reasons for it so but all the you know medical health preparedness acts all these things were basically being tested out and then they decided a war game in my opinion anyway is that they went to test it out war game it a little bit more before going for the full-blown thing they did uh following event 201 yeah uh, going into 2020 so
0: lots of people were forced to inject uh, certain uh, experimental materials into their body ladies and gentlemen in order to keep their jobs it's never been like that before unless you're like in the military my body my and choice and in the military even you were given a supposedly lawful order to inject the following into your body which has now been pulled off the shelves
11: So you just heard from a young woman who had a vaccine injury. No one wanted to hear about it. Shut up, you're expelled. Don't talk about your vaccine injury. Well, she's not the only one. Sorry, that's just true. There are a lot of people like that, actually. And the FDA has just admitted it. The FDA determined that the risk of thrombosis with the J&J vaccine warrants limiting that vaccine to, quote, those 18 plus for whom other approved vaccines are not accessible or clinically appropriate. Now, more than 19 million people have already taken that vaccine. They were assured that it was completely safe. That does not appear to be true. Now, lots of medicines have side effects. The vax is not the only medicine that has a side effect. They all do. It's the lying about it that's so infuriating and the fact that it was mandatory. Pfizer, millions of people took Pfizer. We're learning a lot more about Pfizer's vaccine. In a 2021 report to the FDA, Pfizer collected adverse reaction reports from the VAERS database and other similar databases from 62 countries. In that report, the number of doses shipped worldwide is redacted. Why would they redact that? Why don't we have a right to know? They made people take it. But without that number, you can't really put the adverse events into context, which is the point of redacting it. What we do know is that that document lists nearly 20,000 adverse reactions to the vaccine. 1,200 of the people who had adverse reactions died. That is a non-trivial number. 1,200 people died, really? Can we learn more? Another 1,000 people experience a regular heartbeat, a case where your heart races over 100 beats per minute. That's dangerous. 1,500 people experienced a nervous system disorder. 1,000 people experienced loss of sensation of touch and feeling in the skin. So again, these are not small things. What do they mean? What's the extent of them? Why can't we have all the numbers?
0: Uh, The reason why we can't have all the numbers, Brother Martin, is because they... Don't trust us to do simple arithmetic. You're talking about a numerator and a denominator. So they have to redact the numbers from us so that we cannot make decisions for ourselves.
6: Well, that's it. And particularly this past week, there was a a particular Legionary of Christ. And we talked about, you know, bad Twitter takes. Uh, Father Matthew Schneider, Legionary of Christ, who's uh, an autist who's studying moral theology. He went on a rampage, a rampage this past year promoting it, saying it's an act of charity, it's an act of love. It's basically you can't go to heaven unless you take this this jab. You know, and on the week where they announce all of this information, all of this information telling that basically you could have died if you'd taken this thing. He still has to promote articles, his his own articles saying that uh so Catholic social teaching says that vac- vaccine is you basically you have to take it if if, if you want to get to heaven. It's it's absolutely insane. These people are It has to be some sort of uh, demonic influence because they just don't have the humility, which is something that the devil can't fake uh, to, to, to realize that they were wrong, that they, that this, this is all a a, a one world order uh, style for, for all of us to take. Um, It's, it's nuts. Mike, you're on mute. Mike, you're on mute.
0: James, the lesser, (laughs) as I was saying, I think, that fractions and decimals are just racist. That's why we can't have the math to do it ourselves.
5: Oh, and you're muted too. Ah! <laughs>
6: <And> you're muted. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah.
7: We're just uh we're just peons of uh of the uh world order. You know, we're not supposed to really know what's happening unless it's not beneficial to us. And then we're told what's what's happening, which is oh, by the way, uh everyone, uh this is a big pandemic and you're going to quarantine and then when you quarantine then you're going to take this uh you know uh vaccine and then you're going to shut up.
4: I mean that's where the narrative ends,
7: right? You know so we're told uh, you know former president uh, Trump this is a safe vaccine still pushing it by the way uh 2022 uh May. He's still pushing the vaccine and if you guys haven't woken up uh the audience out there anyone who's listening or watching this if you haven't woken up to this entire mess that has become the post-Trump uh, presidency, then you're you're in big trouble because you're going to be asking yourself questions about certain things which have already been discussed and basically answered. The answer to all this mess is this was a scandemic and this was a false uh, vaccine that was put into your body for who knows whatever reason. There's so many other re- there's so many reasons you can count into why this thing was forced and why it was forced into your body. And while you were denied your rights, you know, and basically whatever is happening in the future has all the numbers for not for us, for them, for the people in charge. Numbers are in for them. So they know going forward exactly how to control and manipulate us. And that's yes. this whole thing was giant exercise into us sort of submitting to the will of the globalists so that they could further down the road uh, uh, sort of order. Uh, uh, the future, uh, you know, against how we reacted to this with the numbers that they have. And so there's a big something coming in the future. Who knows how soon Bill Gates is talking about, you know, for the future, blah, blah, blah. We'll have many more uh, chances to get this right, you know, with the next (laughs) pandemic, if you can believe that, you know, so there's lots to learn here. And uh, hopefully a lot of us who fell for this early on, you know, uh, by now we should have already sort of to uh, take in steps to, to understand how the media operates and how the global order operates and how our friend Carl Schwab operates. And so hopefully uh, there's a lesson to learn from all of this.
0: Yeah, and uh, we have a Schwab video speaking of him, but uh, I just have to squeeze this quick video in. Pfizer math might be racist in the United States, but the math in Canada is less racist, so they're able to slowly walk back the
4: data is showing that two doses of vaccine, indeed in the Omicron way, so the Omicron is the sort of game changer, um, has, has shifted um, the vaccine effectiveness. And so two doses um, has very limited uh, ability to reduce trans infection and therefore transmission um and so that is actually very low after six months, but a booster dose of course boosts that up to um you know an average there's different studies, different results, but an average of sixty percent uh, protection, which also wanes over time so there is not it's not that there is no protection, it's imperfect protection um and um so, which is why we recommend layering the masks because the vaccines alone will not be able to. Um, completely uh, or in a a significant way, maybe to reduce um, transmission.
0: I was told that these were 99% effective, 90% effective. I was told that they were safe and effective, safe and effective, safe and effective, safe and effective. Do you remember when your bishop said it's safe and effective? It's safe and effective as an act of love to take it. Remember when Archbishop Nauman, the so-called pro-life czar that I haven't heard from lately, Roe got overturned. Archbishop Nauman, Archbishop of Kansas City, Kansas, the star of the pro-life movement in the United States. It's an act of love because it's safe and effective. Safe and effective. Safe and effective. Where are you at, bro? Why aren't you telling everyone? To protect their churches to celebrate Roe. Anyway, uh, I was told it was safe and effective. You guys brought up Schwab. We got to get to Schwab.
8: Aujourd'hui, au bout de ça, on parle de plus qu'on pourra s'implanter. Ce sera quand ça? Certainement dans les dix années à venir. Et d'abord, on va les implanter euh, dans nos vêtements, c'est-à-dire « wearables », comme on le dit. Et après, on pourrait s'imaginer qu'on les implante euh, dans nos cerveaux ou dans nos topos. Et à la fin, peut-être il y a une communication directe entre notre cerveau et euh, le monde digital. Ce que nous voyons, c'est une sorte de fusion du monde physique, digital et biologique. On appelle quelqu'un, on n'a même plus le réflexe de devoir prendre un appareil, ça se fait naturellement. La la technique continue le corps. Oui, vous vous, vous parlez et vous dites, je veux maintenant euh, euh, être connecté avec n'importe qui. Hein? Et d'abord, vous avez les robots euh, personnalisés. J'ai vu que M. Zuckerberg a a prédit qu'à la fin de l'année, il va avoir son robot, son battler, personnalisé, qui est à sa disposition. Donc, comme dans Downton Abbey, on aura son son butler personnel, son serviteur, son esclave Oui, mais mais il y a une différence. C'est un serviteur qui, avec euh, l'intelligence artificielle, apprend. Et qui n'est pas seulement euh, votre assistant pour des travaux manuels, -hmm. qui peut vraiment être un partenaire intellectuel de vous.
0: Two observations, Ryan. First, he sounds much less wicked speaking French. And secondly, wearables. There's no French translation for wearables. You just say wearables. All right. This guy is such a ghoul. He's such a cartoon character. How is it? Anybody taking him seriously?
5: Uh, It's been noted, I think, since since he started appearing uh, at the beginning of the unspecified virus of unspecified origin. He's a Bond villain, basically. Uh, all his books are co-written by someone else, and and they they all differ in tone to a great extent, so that it's clear his name is just being slapped on things. He's a, like like Bill Gates, he is a uh uh what, what do you want to say about him? He's a like he's the, the hub through which a lot of the spokes go through. And this is another one, the transhumanism, uh, which is a big thing. Uh, we've talked about it before. You see a big push now, like in, in Canada, actually, they're really pushing hard for more euthanasia, more doctor-assisted suicide types of things. And as that process goes, um, you know, it, it's it, everything in like the groomer stuff that we do and the trans everything is all about divorcing you from the body. Right. So that, oh, well, you know, this body is, is it's the wrong body for me because I'm really this. And it's trying to detach you from the notion that organic natural life is something very unique and the metaphysical reality that it is animated by a spiritual principle, vegetative life and, and so on. Until you get to the human body, which is animated by the rational soul, the human soul by God. And the soul is the substantial form of the body. So if, uh, you know, if you deny all that and you completely reject all that, which you have to for uh, for abortion, if you want to argue it's just a clump of cells, you have to reject that, you know, basic metaphysics on this point. If you want to argue for, uh, you know, transgenderism, you have to reject that, you know, the, the soul and the body unity. It's great, you have to ascribe things to the soul that aren't true. That oh, this soul is really female and not male, but it ended up in a in the opposite body, right? Which is it's nonsense. Metaphysically, it's absolute nonsense. But it's divorcing all of those principles and you from the body. So that your next step is essentially, you know, it's just transhumanism. That's where that's where it's going to be going.
0: That's where they want to take us. They want to take us down that path. And you're absolutely right. They um They deny the animus, the soul, the thing that animates the human body. James, this guy is such... He's such a Bond villain. That's a perfect description of him. He's a cartoon character. I cannot take him seriously, and I cannot bring myself to believe that he truly is the hub of evil that everyone is afraid of. Like, I... People read his books and they obsess about him and they say he's gonna control their lives. I, I think that's all just a front. That's just a LARP. This guy's a he's a loser.
7: Oh, you know, he's he's speaking in French now, which is a much more palatable uh language <laughs> when you're when you're trying to uh reel people in. If you speak in your real bond uh, you know, uh German accent and speaking English in your German accent, you know, that sort of guttural. Uh, uh, you know, tone just bleeds right through, and so people will see will see you as this uh, villain, you know, and rightfully, absolutely, he's he's a villain. Um, yeah, people might slap his name on, uh, you know, books or what have you, but he, you know, whatever we understand, we've seen the history of his father, of, of the work he's been doing for, uh, I was going to say hundreds of years, but <laughs> what he's been doing for decades, uh-huh. you know. Uh-huh. Um, his work is out there. I mean, we, so we know his mind, much like Bill Gates and his father, right? So Bill mm-hmm. Gates, in a sense, is a figurehead, absolutely. He's a figurehead behind, uh, you know, the, you know, certain ideas, right? And so before he became uh, this Microsoft uh, personality, he, he was of his father, and his father was... Uh, you know, uh, very, very well tied to Planned Parenthood. And so we have, you know, the beginnings of uh, these uh, megalomaniacs who uh, we have today, you know, uh, Bill Gates uh, and uh, Karl Schwab working hand in hand, but not just starting out in 2020 or in, you know, 1996 or wherever it was, you know, they've been cultivating uh, the idea and the philosophies behind turning over our minds, to computers, to, to turn over everything we have in our intellect into this passive state so they can create this new hybrid idea that, you know, why why focus on, you know, connecting your gray cells? You know, why why focus on that when we can just help you out? You can take this little implant, put it, it's a wearable implant, right? You know, and so you don't have to really think. You will just be given, you know, uh, what's that movie, Ryan? You, you might know this, Um, C- Christian Bale. Uh, 1999 or 2000, where he's a police. He's a he's a tool. He's a tool of the new world order, basically. and He takes oh, pills every day. Equilibrium, exactly right. You take a pill every day. It's your government-sanctioned pill, and that pill helps you to balance whatever chemicals are in your mind, so that you become a passive citizen of the state, and you're doing everything they they ask you to do without any question. And one day, his little child uh, sees him. He starts to think for himself because he's involved in a raid. He starts to th- he starts to think for himself. He says, "Well, maybe today I'm not going to take this pill." And his little daughter, who's become a custodian of the state, says to him, "You know, Dad, you know how come you didn't take your pill today? I'm going to have to report you to the state, right?" So this is kind of where we're all we're all headed. And so whether or not he sounds less less like a villain, or uh, whether or not uh, people slapping his name of publications, the the, the the reality of this bringing us all home is he has ideas that are in him that have been in him for a long while, and he'll use yeah. whichever means whether people or even uh, a figure like uh, Elon Musk, you know, to, to help bring about this idea of a new humanism, you know, with transhumanism. And so we're starting to see little bits and pieces of this play out and m- much more so in the coming uh, years, I think.
1: I just want you to know. I love you, mommy and daddy. I know you do, sweetheart. And I'm going to ask you to take the filter off. Will you do that for me? I think... I've been uncomfortable. For a very long time. You know. I've been thinking ever since I was born that I don't belong in this body oh my god it's
9: alright
1: it's really okay darling I've been reading up on it and I think I'm trans oh sweetheart oh it's alright darling I swear it really is. Now, look at us, we're fine. We're completely fine, aren't we?
9: Mm-hmm.
1: I, I know we might be a bit slow and a bit old, and this is going to be confusing for us, and we'll make a mess of it sometimes, but we love you. Hmm?
2: We love you.
1: We absolutely love you. We always will. I mean, we don't need to rush. We've got lots of time to... Talk about this. And you know, if it turns out that we've got a, a lovely son instead of a lovely daughter, then oh, we'll be happy. Mm-hmm. No, I'm not transsexual. Oh. Is that not the word now? But you said trans. What do we call you then? I'm not transsexual. I'm transhuman. Oh, OK. I'm sorry. They keep changing the words. I don't know the difference. I don't want to change sex. No sure we say gender now don't we sorry i said i'm not comfortable with my body so i want to get rid of it this thing all the arms and legs and every single bit of it i don't want to be flesh i'm really sorry but i'm going to escape this thing and become digital
8: what do you mean
1: they say one day, soon, they'll have clinics in Switzerland where you can go and you'll sign a form and they'll take your brain and download it. Into the cloud. And your body? Recycled. Into the earth. So you want to kill yourself? I want to live forever. As information, because that's what transhumans are, Mom. Not male or female. Better. Where I'm going, there's no life or
0: death. There's only data. I, <laughs> I didn't see that coming. <laughs> I didn't
5: see that coming. So you that can load terrible. yourself up to the cloud. Your body can be recycled for Soylent for everyone's food rations. And, you know, you could wake up next to Zuckerberg and the Snoop Dogg in the metaverse.
0: You know, there was a, there was a video going around uh, libs of TikTok, and it was a compilation of people reacting to the idea that uh, that in some countries, I think this is happening in Europe where they're, they're recycling uh, aborted bodies and uh, they're using them for electricity. They're, they're burning them for fuel and it was getting people's reaction to that a bunch of liberals reaction to that. And they were all uh, quite in support of it. Um, I would say overly supportive of it. Um, but yeah, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm trans. Is that not the word now? They keep changing.
7: (laughs) You know. You know. To be fair, I was expecting the mother to say, "Oh, I'm trans too," and that would have fit perfectly because you know know,
0: it would have fit perfectly with this.
9: <laughs> of course, <laughs> it just some, something
0: links those two things: a, a black uh, bald woman and and uh, Will Smith punching somebody. It just feels like those two things go hand in uh, hand. Uh, yeah. All right, um, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, I'll go first to you, brother. Uh, only gentlemen on the show, but ladies watching. <sighs> Frank said something really stupid today. He really did. He said that he doesn't want uh liturgy to divide people mother angelica predicted this here's what she said about it
4: we believe that everybody can do what they want to do except to they're nuts
6: <laughs> you're nuts brother martin yeah so if you disobey the rubrics then you're okay but if you obey them you're, you're you're nuts it's like if you if you do what you're told to do you're nuts if you don't if you do what you're not told to do then you're fine uh, liturgy has se- separated Catholics for, well, since day one, in the sense that we have like 20, 24, 26 different rites in the, in the Catholic church. And so the Catholics have always been separated by their rites, by their rituals, by their liturgies. Um, it, it, they're all apostolic in origin, which is why they're all valid, why they're all good. Um, but it's insane to, to think that because one wants to do the rit- liturgy, well, it's an official prayer of the church, the highest form of prayer in the church. Um, that that's somehow a, a, a perversion. No, to, to, to consider the the liturgy as something that's an essential to our spiritual lives or or something that just can be invented by any any priest and how he's feeling on that particular day that's that's the perversion
0: I stress again quote uh, that liturgical life and the study of it must lead to greater ecclesial unity not division when the liturgical life, is a bit of a banner of division, Ryan. There is the odor of the devil in there, the deceiver. The odor of the devil is in there, Ryan, if we're talking about liturgy dividing people, but brother Martin just said we got 26 different ones.
5: Yeah. It's like, well, what's, where's the, where precisely is the division? Oh, Let's see. I seem to remember that in the 1960s, Pope Paul VI, looking at the liturgy, and according to Cardinal Noah, he was talking about the liturgy, where he said, oh, the smoke of Satan has entered the church. I wonder from where, maybe because uh, the Pope's, uh, Pope Francis's generation and all the boomer academics then, where thought they were in the cutting edge, said, oh, let's create the divisiveness. Let's start changing what the faithful have received from, you know, the organic tradition, and let's start monkeying around with it. Uh, Father Ripker gives this analogy, it's like looking at the, you know, what they did to the to the liturgy, it's like, you know, opening up the hood of a car, and, and you know, being absolutely clueless, like I would be, and you're, you're looking at all these things, and you don't really get to so see, well, I don't like how that looks, and I don't know how, like, how that looks, I'm going to fix this, and you wonder why the thing is just like, you know, barely getting around, and, and that essentially is what You know, they did. And people who are mad that that car is barely getting around, they're saying, hey, you know what? Why don't we go back to the way it was built for us by the tradition? Oh, no, no, you can't do that. You can never go back. And so I think the key in this one is it shows the derisive feelings of uh, this generation is right here. I've highlighted that. It is true that every reform creates resistance. I remember I was a boy when Pius XII began the first liturgical reform. The first, I highly doubt it was the first, but you know what he means. The first reform of what's brought us to where we're at now. You can drink water before communion, fasting for an hour. And all the he gets some of the details mixed up. Fasting for an hour came in under Paul the Sixth. But uh if Pius XII brought in fasting, you know, three hours before communion. But anyway, that's a minor point. Quote, but this is against the sanctity of the Eucharist, unquote. Pope Francis is putting the response. Of those with piety into sneer quotes, and he continues, they tore their clothes. Yeah, like who else? Like the Pharisees. He's trying to say everyone's Pharisaical who didn't, who loves the tradition. Then the Vespers Mass. But how come the Mass is in the morning? Then the reform of the Easter Triduum, i.e., the 55 Holy Week. But how? On Saturday, the Lord must rise. Now they postpone it to Sunday. To Saturday evening. On Sunday, they don't ring the bells. And where did the 12 prophecies go? All these things scandalize close minded people happens even today indeed these closed mindsets use liturgical patterns to defend their own point of view uh, uh, i.e the catholic faith from the apostles using the liturgy this is the drama we are experiencing in ecclesiastical ecclesial groups that are distancing themselves from the church
9: questioning the
5: council the authority of the bishops in order to preserve the tradition and the liturgy is used for this so but Ultimately, he's really describing, well, everything that the pro- progressives have done, really. Mm-hmm. They made the liturgy the battleground. They started changing the tradition and changing things for, for no discernible advantage or benefit to the church. And when people said, hey, well, wait a minute, wait a minute uh, what about what we've received? Oh, you backwards, closed-minded, pharisaical people. How dare you? They said it then, and he's still here as an exponent of that generation saying it now. I mean, we're not going to have liturgical reform in the church until the whole boomer generation dies out of the hierarchy or has some major conversion or something, because they are absolutely wed to this. They're projecting uh, basically where they're at, because the thing is, where is the church? What about the census fidelium? Right. And, And nowhere in the entire tradition of the Catholic Church do you have ecclesiastics and hierarchy that. Uh, you know, just sneered at the people uh, mm-hmm. when they expressed their piety, lied to the people, literally lied. When they say 1955 uh, Hebdomada Sancta rest- Restorata, uh it says Instorata, re- restored, it is a lie. It is not restored to anything except the crazy archaeologisms of a bunch of hack academics. And because Pius twelfth is in awe of anything a PhD put on his desk, he said, yeah, great, let's do this. Uh, that's how that got in there is not restoring anything. Um, you know, it's a liar. And they say, oh, yeah, the Novus Story, which goes back to the church, the early Church of the Apostles. Well, what does? Oh, well, it's got of Prayer 2, goes back to the canon of Hippolytus, is a lie. And it's known to be a lie for a long, long time. So that's how they get, you know, and then it's, uh, oh, look, all these closed minded people won't accept the wonderful things we just created ourselves. That's what's causing the division, not the faithful trying to hold yeah. the tradition. And
0: it's gaslighting to, to the extreme. Brother Martin, I want to bring in a comment here and then uh, bring up a friend of the show. Comment is from Mary Doyle. Mary, how are you doing? Uh, I hope you're doing well. It's very early for you there on the green uh, emerald island, and I'm glad you're watching. Holy Mother Church hasn't changed in her teachings, she says, traditions or dogmas. She's eclipsed. It's called chastisement. A friend of the show, Dr. Anthony Stein, put out a video today, uh, commenting on these comments from uh, from Pope Francis, Brother Martin, in which he says we are in schism. Uh, we are basically in schism. Francis all but admits it; he just doesn't use the language. Which is it, Brother Martin? Are we in a chastisement, or are we in schism, and we just practically don't understand it? And maybe with the benefit of Time retrospectively, when we look back, we'll realize it. What 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 is exactly happening here?
6: I think a schism is a chastisement, um, because it's obviously, obviously, a, a severe wound to the body body of Christ. Um, schisms are not good in, in, in any from any perspective that one looks at it. Um, sometimes they're 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 necessary evils in the in the sense of the the East and the West. The schism of the East and the West, but uh, ultimately, we should be trying to. To reconcile our, our differences in the truth and in, in, in who Christ is, because he prayed in John chapter 17, unum sit, that they may be one. Um, so I think schism is a chastisement. Um, I think we are in, in schism in the sense that it's every bishop for his own um, in regards to whether or not they're going to allow uh, individuals within their diocese to adhere to the traditions or not. And then those bishops have to somehow appear to be obedient to the to the national Episcopal Conference, even though it has like zero authority in, in the particular diocese. They have to somehow uh, implement directives or whatever, or seem or appear to implement directives that the national bishop conference says. You know, this is how we're going. This is how we should do things in, in the diocese in the United States, for instance. And so they kind of have their hands tied behind their backs. And then when G- Germany goes and does what they do, completely on their own um everybody seems to have to have to appear to to think that th- that's okay and then in the individual bishops might speak out but then they're they're spoken to behind the curtain and say hey you're not you're not in line with with the bishops you need to have a better pr you need to have the better you know not say anything because we can't appear to be in disunity it's the appearance it's the facade of unity it's not true um but our unity is, is in jesus christ it's in the truth and our bishops have abandoned that uh, simply for for administration, for for uh, yeah public relations to uh, just to be accepted by the world as as mere professionals. Why they abandoned the cassocks and now just wear business suits? It's it's because if it's if it's the job better, uh, it, lo- it coincides. So I, I think to be honest, uh, we are in a system, but the real question is authority. Where is the authority then? Um, you know, can can you become a regular? So should irregularity be defined or exclude exclusive to a particular group like the society of the tenth what about the old Romans who also have valid lineage what about the State of vicons who also have valid valid lineages it's like um you know if, if it's if it's time to be irregular it's time to be irregular it one community doesn't get to hold um the monopoly on, on being on being irregular uh, irregular is regular Val, valid orders are valid orders mm-hmm. and so I, I think there's a there's there is a group of Catholics who who understand that there's a schism who offer the society of St. Pius X um, for irregular holy orders, but then kind of close himself off to what that reality actually means and saying, Oh, I'm just going to go to the, to this one particular community because uh, um, they're, the, they're the only ones that I can trust or something like that. It's it, ecclesi- ecclesiologically uh, ecclesiology is flipped on its, on its head in the sense that it was always top down from the Pope on downwards to, down to the layperson, But now, of course, when we step into the, the world of irregular holy orders, it's inverse And so the, the laity, in the sense, are, are the popes. Each each, each layperson is their own pope. They get to they get to discern which uh which which priest they follow or which bishop they follow. Um, it's 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 a mess. It is a mess,
0: James. And I want to throw it your way without having prepped you for this topic at all, or letting you know that we were going to talk about this. Um, but I do see exactly Brother's final comment as as being uh, a grave danger. It is not proper that we have to now as men, as, as Catholic fathers and husbands, that we have to become liturgists, church historians, moral theologians. Uh, You know, we have to understand dogmatics. We, you know, and and it's not like very few of us have priests who are going to teach us about mystical theology. So um, we have a heavier burden than we lay men have ever had to carry in times past and as we discern what Our Lady has been telling us since La Salette and probably earlier, uh, that we are now witnessing in our times, especially Our Lady of Good Success, especially Our Lady of Fatima, um, it beca- the, the picture becomes very muddled, not clear, but muddled. She said it would be confusing. It is confusing, James. I'm confused. Are you?
7: Oh, I, I mean, absolutely. And you can imagine um, what sort of journey anyone has coming into tradition, how much pain and, and angst and wrestling and infighting with uh, spouses or whatever it is because, well, you know, you go to church one day and you're listening to Pastor Frank and Pastor Frank offers something that is clearly a new teaching, but then he's loved by everyone around you. And then your spouse might think, oh, what what is going on here? My husband is not listening to the pastor, you know, and this becomes a concern because this has been causing division as far as we know, for uh, 60 years. I mean, ostensibly. We know b- behind the scenes, of course, uh, people like Pope Pius XII were talking about, uh, he said, I, I guess the phrase is, everyone around me uh, is talking about innovation, innovation, innovation. Or even after, what he offered afterwards was, I uh, pray my deluge, you know, after me the flood. And he was absolutely right, you know. And we welcomed in John the Twenty Third, who wanted uh, to open up the windows, you know, uh, and we are suffering still today, you know, because there's been uh, a lot of confusion uh, stemming from that era that we're still living through. And today we not only have to understand how, how, to, uh, how to live, you know, uh, along the moral code, which the church has always had in front of us, but now we're, we have this situation where we're fighting against uh, those shepherds who are supposed to be protecting us, and they're leading us into the slaughter with new ideas. So fathers, husbands, you know, uh, people acting in loco parentis, you know—we have to deal with all of this. You know, when we can't trust that the person we're sitting uh, down listening to at mass, there, there's there's a problem, and that's a huge burden on every family out there. You know, um, w- what is the role of uh, fathers today? You know, to, to to sit and and to listen to garbage, or to figure out a way to to to, to understand uh, that. We, because we are in this confusion, because we're in this confusing state, you know, we, we have to ordinarily or, or rather, uh, you know, we're in this extraordinary situation of having to find other people of like mind to point us back into the, uh, the, from the uh, direction that we we left. We wavered off that path and we don't even know that, you know, and to speak back to uh, what Ryan and brother were talking about, I'll offer this clarification. What Vatican II has done is cause unnecessary division. Yes, we always had liturgies, uh, 20, uh, what's the, the 22 or whatever the, the count is. We've always had that, but the, the difference is there's always been a patrimony. So, what's the patrimony of the Norrisodo? It's a bastard right. and that's what Archbishop Lefebvre absolutely said. And this is a serious thing, people get offended. It's not about the lady, it's not about the priests who are confused or. By searching for truth, the reality of this right is it is a bastard right, understood very frankly. You know, there's no patrimony, and o patrimony, no sort patrimony which is non-existent.
9: Yeah,
0: yeah. I mean, so given given that fact, Ryan, and and I don't know how much of the commentary you heard, uh, but I, my my contention is that. Given the fact, and I think what James, I think what James said is correct. It, it's a bastard right. It's a fatherless right. There's no father to the Novus Ordo. It's it's um it's a inorganic growth. It is well, there's it, a
5: father to it, but there's not an apostolic father to it. Of <laughs> right,
0: right. Yeah, right, yeah, yeah, right. Um, it's 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 not a it's an, <laughs> James. You're killing me. My contention and my beef is. And, and tell me if my, my frustration, if not anger, is not well-founded. My frustration is the fact that we fathers now have a higher burden, a heavier burden than ever before. That We have to become experts in areas that fathers of families have typically not had to become experts in. And therefore, as, as a result of that, the crown that we wear in our in our household is heavier. The burden is harder. Our shoulders are more tired because we have to we have to understand church history. We have to understand ecclesiology. We have to know canon law. We have to know uh, moral theology. We have to know liturgy. You know, you it, it goes on and on and on and on and on. And we uh, naturally, right? Of course. And you you're a brilliant mind. You have a beautiful brain, and you want to understand these things naturally, right? And that's right. and that's great, but not all of us are Ryan Grant mm-hmm. and that's my that's why I'm pissed off because you right. can't just go to your local parish and have all of these things given to you the way the church used to give to her people or maybe tell me if I'm wrong. maybe maybe I'm just being idealistic. Maybe there was never a time where most of the parishes in the world, all kind of taught the same thing, and more or less everybody was Catholic. I think I'm not being idealistic. I think the Age of Faith really happened. I think the mid, the medieval ages uh, ages really did happen, um, and people did go to heaven by just going to their parish, their local parish. Nowadays, it's a little more complex than that, and I'm ticked about it.
5: And you should be. And that's, uh, although I was going to say, I hope you're not ticked off because not everybody's Ryan Grant, because that's actually a good thing. (laughs) (laughs) um, (laughs) So uh, put it in uh, perspective. Yeah, historically, the average Catholic, uh, by going to Mass, by living a good Catholic life, uh, doing, doing the best they're able... Uh, had a a far greater chance of going to heaven. They didn't need to know, uh, you know, get embroiled. And of course, a lot of people who will try to get into theology, canon law, and these things, so oftentimes, you know, they, they need a lot of guidance to do that. It's not a sub, those are, you know, sciences that were not meant for everybody to jump into. You know, you have your catechism and your catechetical instruction because you're receiving the fruit of those sciences. But as soon as you wade into those sciences, you need a certain scientific preparation, preparation especially with logic and philosophy. And that's why, you know, you get into some areas of metaphysics and oh, that, that's completely over my head. Or some of the, you know, so I, I stay away from those issues and I try to find people I trust on the subject or just receive the fruits of their teaching. Right. Even if I don't particularly like where that takes me, um, you know, as long as I can see this is constant with what's taught before. But it gets the hard thing is you know, a lot of people aren't trained for it. And you get people that will end up making mistakes and, and and creating problems because they're not trained in theology, but they're trying to rush in to theological arguments. And so and that's why I try not to do that unless I have a good source of authorities, and then I'm just, well, here's what the authorities say, don't listen to me, listen to the authorities, because I'm not a theologian, nobody's constituted you know, to, me to tell you anything more than what's in the catechism, as far as what's to be, you know, what we have to believe, and that, but that's the way it should be for the average lady, we, we, you know, you get our catechetical instruction, whether we're in a literate, more literate society, and we're getting taught by the pulpit, or we, uh, you know, we, we read ourselves, and, and we get that information, that's how it should be. So today, you know, our burden, you know, we have to do our very best to keep the faith. There's a lot of resources that weren't available to us before. And we have to try to do that with a spirit of humility and docility toward the tradition. And, and that becomes, you know, really the hard thing. You start getting into, because uh, we're talking about various things with the mass and, and whatnot. And you get into the authors and you find out they don't quite say what, you know, we, we wish they would say. And you get in this situation where we have this mass that was basically created. And then the easy thing to do is, oh, well, well, let's look at Quote Premiers. We can't make it, you know, uh, and, and nobody can, do, you know, change the liturgy. Except you have every single canonist and theologian that says that the Pope can, uh, that the Pope has, uh, or Lehmann and several others, I'm thinking of, including Alphonsus Gori, they have the Gore, they have the jurisdiction to create, you know, new rights. And they're, he's, he's, they're mostly talking about you know, meaning administration of the sacraments, but even affecting the mass itself. You know, when Pius X changed the breviary, which um, is governed the exact same language when Pius V put out the breviary, uh, it anobis. it's the same language as co primum. They're basically the same document. They're treated as the same document in all the, all the liturgical authors. And they say the exact same things there, but it didn't stop Pius X from, from making huge changes to the breviary um, into the Psalter itself, which hadn't really been touched since ancient times. Other things and ancillary things the breviary had. Or again, um, you know, Pius XII changed in the Holy Week. You know, that that's a major change to the rights of the church, which again, nobody said, oh, he doesn't have the authority to do that. Instead, the argument was this is not good. And there weren't just laity, as uh, Pope Francis alludes to. There were a lot of priests and even serious liturgical scholars to say, well, wait a minute, where's any of this stuff based on? You know, this isn't good for the church. You know, it could, you know, but it paved the way for what we got at Vatican II, because the fact is the Pope can, just like he can get rid of every diocese and tell all the faithful, okay, there's only be one bishop to to serve all your needs in each country, because I just decided. Um, Technically, he has the authority to do that because these are all, you know, in terms of like the, the liturgy, say for its substance, the dioceses, you know, the structure. These are things that have been established by, by human law. And he has that legal right. But he does he have the moral right? Because even the legal law is, is uh, uh, what's the right term? It's modified by divine law, by divine positive law. And in this case, what is the first law? Prima lex salus animarum. The first law is the salvation of souls. So this gets to a comment that somebody had put in there, an excellent comment. Well, what do you say to the set of Acantus who who try to argue that we're all schismatics because we won't obey whom we say is the pope? Um, on this or that. Um And so, and the answer to that one is that because the Pope doesn't have the moral authority to detrimentally change the liturgy, you change the liturgy in such a way and allow for the liturgy to be celebrated as it is in our parishes, number one. Uh Number two, you know, any notion of obedience, you know, it's always governed by that first law. So a prelate can't command you to sin, right? If a prelate commands you to sin, you know, you're not, you know, obliged to that, and the same thing comes true with the other things that whether they're they're not as good or they're, they're, there's a reasonable petition, you can say, "Hey, what, holy father, we can't do that." Or again, the Jesuits, when the Jesuits were suppressed, there were Jesuits in Switzerland that said, "You know, hey, uh, we'll obey the suppression, but the area we're serving in, no priest will come here, and you need to provide for these faithful because again, prima lex salus animarum. The law was promulgated, the law was put into effect, but." Uh, The Jesuits said by the cause of the first law, we can't obey this unless you send us a replacement, then we'll obey. Clement the 14th received the letter, never sent replacements, never instructed the bishops over there to send new priests in there. And they remained. These Jesuits remained continuing to do what they did. So, you know, the authority structures are really important. uh, But also they're all even then they're still modified by that first law. The first law is the salvation of souls. And so. Ultimately, all the things that we're dealing with as Catholic laymen, it is harder for us, but it was also harder for Catholics during the Arian crisis. They were not theologians. They were not, you know, trained with all this amazing stuff, uh, you know, to, to know exactly what to do. They had to say, well, this is the faith we received, so we are going to uphold it and, and pass it down, even though the Roman government is sticking Aryan heretics into our bishoprics. And that's that's kind of where we're at, uh, except now instead of it being the secular authority as it was during um, the, the Aryan crisis, now it's the church authority itself that seems to be going along with it. And that's where, it, it, I, I always liken it this way, there is a schismatic conciliar church that... Uh, does not believe in the gospel handed on by Jesus Christ that is given to human respect that uh, wants to brown nose with the modern world and anything it does. Now I just divide that differently than a lot of trads do. I say that there are Novus Ordo priests and faithful who hold to the same faith we do, even if you know they're they're, st- they're stuck at the Novus Ordo or they're they're saying it's still going along, but they they would adhere to everything in the Creed. And then there is all, you know, all the people we see or tweet, are certain of these Twitter priests, certain of these, these you know, bishops and, you know, all the people that German bishops and whatever that believe in the other one, they believe in, you know, this other thing that is not the church of Christ. Mm-hmm. That's kind of how I, I lay that down. We need to adhere to the former, however we can do it. And in some cases that might just be, look, I can't even understand these issues. I'm going to trust my catechism. And that's why, you know, like a, Uh, Even though I don't agree with set of not just, I understand them, especially nowadays with the way things are. Yeah, it's not hard to figure out why they, you know, why they believe what they believe and why they're doing what they're doing. Um, It makes perfect sense, actually, at that level. So I'm not going to attack them or fight them or whatever. Um, I get it. And it's just whatever we can do, because that's what we'll be judged by, is how we, how faithful we were to Christ at the end of the day, how we kept the tradition. And, you know, and that's what's going to be the guiding principle.
0: I want to take a quick detour. I want to get, I want to get James and then brother to react to this particular comment. And then I want to let our, our viewers know we're going to drop, we're going to skip through a couple topics that we had planned to talk about because we're going to land the plane on Roe. It's the biggest news of the week. So uh, James brother, talk about the crisis in the church. Um, uh, react to what Ryan said, and then we will move to row and then we will go to our unpopular opinions and our, are grifting.
7: Yeah, so Ryan's actually right. He's laid out everything uh, perfectly. The only contention I, I have, not even really contention, but more of a, a differentiation, is uh, at least back in those days, we can see there was more of a unity in our understanding and living that moral re- reality in the church. For instance, there wasn't a division of what people needed to believe day to day. Uh, and they weren't compromised in the in, in ways that people are today. For instance, uh, going to mass in a Nova Soda church today, sitting side by side with somebody who thinks abortion is a right uh, and is a right that must be protected by, by the church. And you have bishops who are actually actively uh, supporting and promoting uh, homosexuality within their ranks, you know, so I, I would just say say absolutely, Ryan is hundred uh, percent correct. But I, I would say, uh, p- perhaps we're now more than than ever uh, by these margins. We're, we're forced now to go. Well, what what is the truth of what I should believe morally as a Catholic uh, Christian, right? So it's a, it's a sad reality when uh, a lot of Catholics are finding com- common bond with evangelical quote unquote Christians of the, of the of that sect you know because they seem they seem to understand or to think that the Catholic Church has been compromised because we are no longer promoting those things which we uh, had long ago stood on you know and so mm-hmm. then that that is where I would say well you know uh, it, yes you know it's it's by all standards the, the Aryan crisis was a, was a very uh, huge crisis. Uh, for for everybody involved, you know, for the lady for for priests for uh, for bishops, and as communications here and there, uh, and people were truly confused. Whereas today, yes, you know, uh, we we obviously don't have that same frustration uh, as the Arians, not the Aryans, but as Christians had in that Aryan crisis, But we have a problem now of not even knowing what the basic tenet of being Catholic
0: means. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's a good clarification, brother Martin, uh, help us, uh, tie this segment up and then we'll move, we'll move back to row, uh, because we've got to talk about the leak and the timing and what it means for everybody. So let's, um, let's finish off on the crisis, which we can talk about for all night. Really?
6: Yeah. The crisis we been talking about for all night. And I mean, we can do a lot of segments on the crisis only because it, it it's very profound, um, you have different theses um, that leads in different directions, um, I guess, from different philosophical perspectives of, if this conclusion is true, then this conclusion isn't true, and this conclusion is true. And you get so many people that uh, get, get red-pilled that um, they don't even know where, where their conclusions are leading them. For instance, if someone who goes to the Fraternity of St. Peter and Christ the King, for instance, they want to. They get so used to going to these parishes, and then they ask the, the question: Is the Novus Ordo real? Is the Novus Ordo actually valid? Well, let's consider for the fact that the only bishops that have ordained for the Fraternity of Saint Peter and the Institute of the King are those that were consecrated in the Novus Ordo rites. And so, if the Novus Ordo is not real, if it's not valid, then they have to admit that the, all the priests that they've, all the masses they've gone to, have been invalid. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, it, it creates a, a real crisis because everybody wants to be the red pilled one, the cool one, to, to be extreme, to be hardcore trad, all that kind of stuff. But I mean, these are real questions questions that have real consequences i mean if the Nova Sword is real and these aren't real priests and the cities are right in that regard then that's, that's huge because the only real priests now are the city priests who have no real jurisdiction who have no way to electing a new pope these are the end times and these are the last priests it's it's the consequences are very extreme they have i mean they, they bear on reality and so one of the things that i would personally like to see more um, in the trad movement especially regarding canon 844 which allows uh, Catholics to attend uh, masses of those of the schismatic sets so so long as certain criteria are met um, is, there, is a real I don't want to use the word ecumenism but a real fraternity amongst those who just want to hold on to the tradition um, who understand that this is a crisis that is um, unprecedented that a lot of us laity who who um, really don't know all, all everything that's behind the scenes um, we just People just want to get to Mass and, and, and want, want a priest who will teach them the tradition um, who and to raise their kids in the tradition um, and just want to grow up Catholic and let the kids to grow up Catholic and to, and, to, and to be Catholic. The the fact that there are some in the state of a contest who bar communion uh, to those who think Francis is Pope and um, that comes to their chapel, to me, honestly, I find it to be absurd. Um, if it, if state of a contest want to go that route, then to be honest, I want nothing to do with them. And it's not because that they're. I, I find their position untenable. It's just the fact that they don't understand that this is a crisis for everybody. Um, and so if, if, they, want, if well, they want... And that's, and
0: that's the thing. I, I, and, and I totally agree with you, brother. The SETI's may be right. Uh, I don't know. Maybe they're right. they're right. If they're right. If they're right. And they're looking at people who are not yet SETI, let's say. People who are in transition. And and look, uh, this is all all just a thought experiment.
7: In transition, <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah, right. How? Yeah, right. How dare you look at someone who is where you were, say, two years ago, three years ago, four years ago, five years ago with disdain? Mm -hmm. Everybody is on a journey. They're trying to figure it out. We're all doing the best we can. We're all trying to be the best fathers and, and spiritual uh, leaders of our families as we can. We're trying to get the sacraments for our ch- for our kids and our children. We're trying to transmit supernatural sanctifying grace into our lives, into the souls of our children and our, and our wives and our families. And, you know, if, if, if you have arrived at some conclusion and you think that that conclusion is dogmatic, uh, good. Good. I'm glad, but don't take that and then and then bonk people on the head with it. You know what I mean? Um, and so, anyway, um, well,
5: let's make one just quick little distinction there too. If uh, you know, it's a dogmatic fact that if Pope Francis is in fact the Pope, and you say, "Well, no, he's and we don't acknowledge him as being the Pope because he's a heretic or whatever," right? Um, and I'm not here talking about Cassiacum thesis because that's a whole different thing. Then basically, that then you know. If you're saying you know Pope Francis is is the Pope, then anyone who's saying no, he's not, is is schismatic, technically, and vice versa. If the Pope is not, if Francis in the, in any of the last popes uh, since Vatican II, at least, you know, it would be the same argument. If if they if they are not truly popes, but we adhere to them as if they were Pope, that's also schismatic too.
9: Right. Uh, right.
5: That's just a dogmatic fact, whichever way you look at it. So, but then the trick is again. Then the charity comes in and, and and there are good significantists. And I've met a few more of them more recently. It was for a long time. I, you, you, you always get lambasted by a lot of these guys who are just really obnoxious online. And th- thankfully, I've met a few recently that are really good and really charitable. So, um, you know, it, it also has helped to soften my view toward them. But um, but it's like that, you know, yeah, you do need to have a little bit of if you really have gotten the truth. The same thing for us as trads. You know, or, or even like we come to the pre-55 argument and say, Wow, you know, this makes sense. You gotta have humility and mercy for people who aren't there yet, don't have access, haven't seen it, and 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 to pray because we're looking to create and build up the body of Christ, not to tear it down. Well, you're not on my team, you're not wearing the purple sleeves, you're wearing the green sleeves, so therefore you're you're gonna be in hell and wither away forever and ever.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, um, I I, I agree with that. All right, guys, for those watching, most of you know that there was a leak. Most of you know that it appears as though Roe v. Wade is going to be overturned. That apparently has been leaked. uh, The leaked opinion of um, Justice Alito. He's writing the majority opinion. So at least five votes, possibly six, but very likely just five. Um, His opinion was dated as of February. This opinion is a draft. The votes have not been cast, nor has the decision been released. It is expected to be released sometime in June or July. So up to two months, maybe even three months before the opinion is released, because it could be early August when the opinion is released officially, we have now been alerted to the fact that Roe may be in some ways overturned. And and specifically, they're talking about the so-called right to abortion, that's what they say in the leaked opinion that came out. A couple things on this, and I want to get your reactions to all of this. Uh, but first, uh, we have to get the president's reaction, or at least his press secretary's reaction to the leak and whether or not it is permissible to make a map of where these five justices live and distribute that map to the probably peaceful protest.
10: You guys had <laughs> some time yesterday talking about... What you think are the extreme wings of the Republican Party? Do you think the progressive activists that are now planning protests outside some of the justices' houses are extreme?
3: Peaceful protest? No. Peaceful protest is not extreme.
10: Some of these justices have young kids, but their neighbors are not all public figures. So would the president think about waving off activists that want to go into residential neighborhoods in Virginia and Maryland?
3: Uh Peter, look, I think our view here is that peaceful protest, there's a long history in the United States and the country of that. And we certainly encourage people to uh keep it peaceful and not resort to any level of violence.
5: Keep it peaceful. Mostly peaceful too is allowed.
0: Yeah, don't resort to any level of violence. That's what she said. It's totally fine. Totally fine to dox where these people live because you know, that's normal. You uh you want to dox where uh, where the where where, where they live. I actually thought Voris had a pretty good take on on Twitter. He well, he wanted to dox where Jen Psaki lived and see if she would be okay with that. I thought that was pretty clever. Uh, well done there, Gary. Um, look, you uh, you know you know, you'll look at it and you say, first of all, leaks at the Supreme Court they're not totally unprecedented, but you almost never see an entire draft opinion leaked out. You might hear. That somebody's going to retire, for example, when when Breyer was retiring, that was totally leaked, and we all knew that was happening. Um, you might hear that you know uh, Scalia was smothered to death with a pillow on his face at a at a at a property that was owned by an Obama supporter, uh, but you would never see a full opinion leaked out, James. Uh, and you know you look at it and you say, okay, they leaked the full opinion, two and a half months to prep. The mostly peaceful protesters can now pre-position their pallets of bricks and other tools and implements of mostly mostly peaceful protests. Uh, George Soros knows exactly he can book the hotels. He can even get a screaming deal because, you know, when you book last minute, it's a little bit more expensive. But if you've got a two month head start, I mean, if you book a hotel in advance, you get it for 60 bucks a night. So now you can bust these people into the major downtowns. Here's what I see coming, James. What I see coming is the, is. January 6th, but in every single city. This is a false flag that is being set up in every single city. And perhaps what is going to happen is the inverse of what we think is going to happen. Perhaps what we're about to see is that Roe is not going to be overturned. We're expecting it now to be overturned. They've given us the expectation. We think it's going to be 5-4, and it probably will be 5-4, but it might be 5-4 against us. And what happens then the rage on the conservative side is going to be the conservatives walk into so-called conservatives or reactionaries, whatever you want to call them, walk into a trap in which they are now the protesters and they do something very stupid. And, um, and, and not only do they do it in DC, but maybe they do it in Portland. Maybe they do it in Nashville. Maybe they do it in Omaha. And if they do it in those three places, it becomes a national phenomenon becomes a very big problem. And it becomes very, very easy to look at conservatives, pro life conservatives, especially Roman Catholics, especially Latin Mass Catholics, and say, you're a domestic terrorism. Thoughts?
7: Yes, I know, I'm muted. Um, yeah, Mike, you're absolutely right. That's a very good take. And that's exactly what, what I'm thinking. A few other people are thinking this same thing, too. Uh, This was clearly an intimidation uh, tactic, and now uh, the the left is hoping to use this as a way to rile up its base and to push them out there into the streets, which exactly is what's going to happen. We're anticipating something like this uh, coming out uh, tomorrow, for instance, in churches uh, across the uh, nation, and uh, to to start to see what what we have been all talking about, how evil this movement is. And what is this going to do instead? It's going to push people who are maybe not as, uh, you know, focused on being out there. It's going to force people to actually get up and then go out and to, to, to mobilize in order to protect the things that they love, the people that they love, the churches that they love. And so this might actually be a huge blowback uh, that uh, these people were not, uh, you know, ex- expecting. I mean, everything evil in the end, right? Everything evil has to be exposed. In order for evil to be th- thoroughly washed washed away, it has to first rise to the surface, right? So uh, these people who are, uh, you know, hoping for some sort of uh, victory because now they're they're hoping to have intimidated justices and, uh, you know, pe- people at large, you know, they're, they're going to be exposed and their evil is going to be on the surface. And then now the evil can then be vanquished with the victory that we're hoping to, to get by people getting riled up, you know, rightfully to take back what has been, what has truly been uh, their small beginning, which is truth.
0: Well, and, and here's the thing, brother Martin, you know, in our popular culture, which is controlled by leftists, uh, be it the news media, the entertainment media, or the universities in all three of those sort of pillars of culture in these United States, uh, Abortion is absolutely normalized. It is it is treated as uh, a going concern. It is assumed that it will be expanded in the future and that it is perfectly normal to do. You see it in TV shows. You, you, you see it in literature. You see it in every aspect of our culture. So to rip that Band-Aid off from the left, to expose to them... Uh, 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 you know, a, a suddenly a, a a a soft underbelly and a weakness that they maybe didn't know that they had. This is this is pretty radical for them. This is a huge wake up call for the left.
6: It is because in one sense their their philosophy is not really a philosophy. Um, they've kind of a, abandoned the, the even the notion of personhood. You always talk hear them talking about humanity, the progress of humanity. They never talk about persons anymore. It, you know, we, we keep asking the definition of man and woman, and of course, they can't they can't they can't give a definition of that. But if you even ask them the definition of a person, what what is a person, and what makes us a person? Yeah, that, that's that's even a more profound question that they w- wouldn't be able to answer. Um, I mean, they're talking about AI is doing the exact same thing humans do. It's impossible. Why? Because artificial intelligence can't abstract nature. They can't understand essence. They can't understand. All they can do is 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 imitate certain certain acts that the intelligence the intellect does, but they can't actually have the same powers as the intellect. And so here's the people that don't understand. Well, they don't have the same, uh, they don't come from the same premises as we do in understanding uh, being critical or, or, or moderate realists. Um, they're they're empiricists. And so they don't understand metaphysics, they don't understand nature's essences. And so technically, they can't even do logic. Because logic, uh, syllogism, for instance, all, all men are mortal, Socrates is a man, therefore Socrates is immortal, all men are mortal. That's a universal, but they don't understand universals. They don't understand essence. They don't understand natures. So they can't even conclude that that uh, therefore Socrates is mortal. Um, and so the the, pro- the hard the hard part is, is is in our society is that we can't even we can't even talk to these people. All they understand now is the force of violence, and yep. and so that's why we find ourselves where we are is because logic won't work, because philosophy won't work, is because they they completely you know thrown thrown aside the ability to reason. And all we have is violence, and, and law, in one sense, is a form of violence because you have law enforcement. Ultimately, those that are enforcing law have to inflict violence on those who are disobeying the laws, and so that's where we are. It, it, we're, we're living in a violent world.
0: There's no doubt, Ryan, that the leak was designed to put pressure on the court. There's no doubt that the leak, uh, one of its one of its uh, malicious intents, was to try to change the vote of the court, and we can assume that the leak either came directly from a justice of the court or from a clerk of the court. And there are some very interesting uh, threads on Twitter, which point to the link between political reporter and a clerk for Sotomayor, uh, whose husbands are good friends and who they attended each other's weddings. uh, And those pictures were then recently deleted. Uh, So the FBI has been called in Ryan to investigate, but of course, you know, Comey, Ray, you know FBI, who had Hunter's laptop for two years, they're not going to discover the leaker, nor is anyone going to suffer from this. But I, I do believe that one of the purposes of this thing, besides setting people's expectations, allowing uh, the, the, the 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 ground forces on both sides to to make logistical plans for the for the war that is going to happen in our streets, but one of the Intentions was to change the votes of the justices. What say you?
5: I think at the very least, that's the ostensible political objective. We want to say, "Oh, well, you know, we'll put the pressure on them to change that," and uh, and then, of course, it'll be yet another victory for the system before the left say, "Even your courts won't work for you," because we'll just use this. I'm not sure that that. I mean, my own thought on that is, if I was the equivalent of a god. Who could declare law from on high, and, and I had tenure for life, and uh, you couldn't get rid of me except for a very costly and difficult impeachment, which has only happened uh, a handful of times uh, in U.S. history. Uh, I really wouldn't care, uh, you know what, uh, what even in some kind of intimidating mob would do. Really, um, I might worry when the holes start appearing in my house and uh, the in the birds die. That might make me a little bit nervous or, um, you know, and then I might die in the meantime anyway, but I also might die in a car accident. So, um, you know, do the justices have that same level of detachment? And uh, and I mean, would I really have that level if I were a Supreme Court justice? I'm just going on how I am now. I'd say whatever. I don't care. But, you know, are they going to have that level of, you know, maybe you'll call it courage. Maybe you could just call it detachment or being a stubborn stick in the mud. I don't know. But uh, I, I don't know all of them. Thomas came out and gave a statement that no level of intimidation is going to change his vote. Mm-hmm. I have no idea. on the others, I couldn't say. The other thing I worry about, because I go back to that political article, had that decision actually been made, I'm, I'm not familiar with how Supreme Court just drafts come about and whether the Chief Justice kind of gets people to write majority opinions for either side while it's being deliberated. And that was what got leaked. I have no idea. If a a decision I'd heard from people that a decision was made and it was really good for overturning Roe, but whether that's actually happened, I'm not sure. And so, of course, we won't know until it comes out and we will see. But I also think it's more a part of the problem reaction solution. And this is where I'm going to say, because James did this earlier. Oh, yeah, Ryan got everything right. And I'm going to say James got everything right. Um, This really could be the the setup for the next level of domestic terrorism. And I don't know uh, how many people remember the Janet Reno years under Clinton. But uh, yeah, pro-lifers were essentially considered domestic terrorists by the FBI, and the uh, and we're, we've been you know steadily going back to that as in the military in the wake of uh, the super scary Capitol Hill insurrection on uh, January the, at a certain day coming after the fifth and before the seventh uh, in the military. And Mike, you've talked about this in, in various places how if you're a conservative Protestant or a Catholic. You are basically a domestic terrorist. You can be you know, uh, dishonorably discharged just for that fact now. And they're moving on for everything else too. So obviously being pro-life, that's going to be domestic terrorism because that's what they're going to build it up into. And mm-hmm. so one thing I do have to say on that is I, I, like, I do see the narrative moving in that direction. And so they're going to create the chaos, you know, your problem, then your reaction, and they're going to wait for the reaction. If they don't get the reaction they want, watch out for an agent provocateur. Watch out. It wouldn't be that hard to stick somebody in a suit a some congregation where you're going to get your other forces to direct a mob and have them shoot someone, have them do a bad shoot on on some protester. And then the media will pick it up. There's this parishioner at such church and it, you can do all you want trying to say, oh, no, but is not one of ours. We don't know him. The, then it'll still be Catholic parishioner shoots Pro-choice, pro and of course, at bonus points, if it happens to be uh, uh, an alphabet person, right, with all kinds of colored hair and whatnot, um, you know, boom, then it's, they'll swoop in. And now, who knows what they're going to do to churches at that point. But that, you know, that's, uh, you know, it's going to continue to feed that narrative.
10: The president's position on choice has evolved over time. So just checking for his official position, does he support any limits on abortion right now?
3: Peter, the President has spoken, has talked about his position many times. He supports the right of a woman to make choices about her own body with her doctor.
10: So I, I know that one of the Democrats that he endorsed and uh, who won their primary this week, Tim Ryan, uh, said yesterday that he does not support any limits on abortion. Is that where the President's thinking is now? The
3: President has stated his view many times. So, does
10: the President support abortion up until the, the moment of birth?
3: The President has spoken about this many times, Peter, and I would refer you to his own comments about abortion and a woman's right to choose and make decisions about her body with her doctor, which is what any of those women would do. Go ahead.
0: Ladies and gentlemen, this is the Supreme Court of the United States. This is your Supreme Court, your high court. These are this is where your nine robed jurists render their decisions. This is, this is the Supreme Court of the United States now where they're building a barricade around it. We've already got a barricade around the White House. We've got a barricade around Congress. We've got a barricade around the Supreme Court of the United States. We live in a banana republic. We live in a lawless state. We live in a post-law, post-truth, post-Christian, collapsing empire. And the thing that makes our our, our empire in, in decline uh, so uh, well, it, it, it's easy to rubberneck it. You know, you can't take your eyes off of it. It's it's such a spectacular event because anything that's in its death throes becomes it it it, it lashes out. You know what I mean? Uh, a company that throes, you know, if if your company is going bankrupt, if you're cash strapped, if you're headed into the tubes. You know, you as you're going to see executives doing things and saying things online that they would never say. You know what I mean? You're going to see irrational, irrational behavior. Um, And so that's why I think you see the you see the thing with with the dying dinosaur media or the people that want to LARP as though they're in the 90s, you know, dying dinosaur media and those failing organizations. They're in their death throes and they're lashing out. Our empire is in its is in its final phase and the fact that we have to have barricades, concrete barricades in front of the white house, concrete barricades. And now they're building up the, you know, the, the, these barricades for the Supreme court, James, these people are attempting to exercise a level of control over our lives. That would make King George, the third blush. Uh, you know, I, I, I wish we could pay for billboard. There are two things I want to buy billboards for on the sides of the roads. The first is for, uh, the Holy face of our Lord Jesus so that we can take up space. But the second thing would be a picture of King George III that says, miss me yet? Because I think a lot of people, if they knew how he governed these United States, these, these colonies, they'd be like, dang, that guy wasn't so bad.
7: Mute. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, we're certainly at a crossroads uh, with everything. Everything is laid before us. We are at the precipice of a destruction of a civilization. And all these questions are coming to mind, right? They're coming to mind. We're being forced to look back and to uh, think about the direction from which we have come, where we're going. And the only course we have right now is to think back and go, wow, I wonder what could have been if... We we weren't dragged through all this, you know. Um, King George obviously did not have the powers that today we just sort of lay down at the feet of of anyone who says they want these powers. I mean, look at uh, Homeland Security, for instance. Homeland Security should not even exist, right? So we're 22 years or maybe 21 years now into, uh, I think it was 2003, you know, 20, 20 years, 19 years into the creation of Homeland Security. And we have now absolutely accepted it as you know a new department same thing with the department of education we've totally ceded our authority as parents over to the state you know so with each passing decade we find new ways to make our civilization basically crumble at at, at our feet because we are we we are we don't have the comprehension you know we, we don't have the, the 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 comprehension to understand that we we are basically creating slaves uh and Carl Schwab talks about this he says Well, you know, you're creating uh, new uh, AI technology basically to make things easier, you know, but in in a sense, we're passively making ourselves slaves by just reducing ourselves to slaves by giving up what we what we know we shouldn't give up at all. And this
0: is a big concern. Yeah, it is. Guys, we have we have so many things we didn't get to. We have so many groomer videos we didn't get to. We have so many incredibly important news items. We didn't talk about food shortage. We didn't talk about currency. We didn't talk about Twitter. There's one thing I want to show you, and I want to thank Joey in Dallas for sending this to us. A lot of people are like, are we living in a PSYOP? Are we living in the Matrix? What's going on? This is a recruiting commercial for an Army PSYOP team. This is a recruiting commercial for the Department of Defense Psychological Operations.
11: pro-democracy demonstration in China comes to a violent and bloody end. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall.
3: Wolves hiding nearby
9: Whispering do or die Around
3: Another very important phase of warfare.
7: It has as its target not the body, but the mind
8: of the enemy. The target of psychological warfare is against the enemy's mind. It is words and ideas. The ammunition used by
10: cywar.
5: Its mission is to influence the thoughts of the enemy soldiers and at the same time is expected and encouraged to study foreign languages and the social sciences such as history economics and sociology he must have a broad and sympathetic understanding of all phases of It
0: it goes on but the thing we have to do next we got a grift we have to grift, Ryan. Are you ready to grift? Because the unpops are coming after the grift, so you have to hang on for the unpops. Ryan, muted you muted, <laughs> The mute has come for us all, Ryan.
5: <laughs> oh, yeah, I know it has. Um, so I forgot that we put the unpops after the grift, since I don't have anything prepared at hand to grift. So I'll just make it real simple. So www.mediatrixpress.com. You know, I've got over, you know, almost 70 titles or more. Um, I was just looking at this because I always get this question. People ask, can you publish Gary Lagrange? I said, no, I can't publish Gary Lagrange because Baronius Press has a copyright. And so then I'm just, just curious. Well, let me double check and make sure they didn't finally get that into production. I get up in their website and I look. And, you know, so yeah, they haven't done anything yet. And then I'm looking again, like, I publish more books than Baronius Press. I don't know why that is. Uh, I don't want to knock any of the books they've got, but I publish more than them. So a number of titles of saints, saints biographies, catechisms, uh, translations of St. Robert Bellarmine, translations of St. Alphonsus of Really important things to get. And just in terms of the theological import, the, the depth of the history, I've got stuff in the Reformation. I've got history books, um, Uh, really that pertain to saints anyway. Uh, So, you know, we got books on spiritual life and mysticism. So all around, and we're adding to those all the time. I have more coming out, um, you know, this month, month of Mary so far. um, I don't have a copy even to show you because I just put every single one I had in a box to go out the door. Um, I will, however, have more next week. And so the month of May is not quite over yet. So you'll still get the book of meditations. you know, if you order those soon, the, um, you know, and I apologize to people who got those late. My hardcover shipment got delayed very heavily. That's when it's one, uh, pain in the butt thing. You have to deal with is delays on things. But so we've got, uh, yeah, we've got a lot of stuff. And uh, so please do in your charity, check us out. Um, and you know, if you, you're like, well, I got too many books. Everyone's got too many books, you know, just, um, you know, look for one if you're so, so inclined and, uh, You know, every once in a while, you know, drop us a line and uh, get yourself a book.
6: All right, this week, uh, the only thing I'm going to be grifting really is uh, prayers for Father John. Uh, This past week, I won't say too many gory details or say anything I'm not supposed to say, but uh, he's been in the hospital this past week and he'll be there maybe another week. Um, but we're getting very good news about his health. Um, so if you can spare an ave this week for for Father John, I'd be very grateful. It, of course, being there for quite quite a while, I can assume the the bill might be somewhat high. I have no idea, so I don't I don't know. Uh, but the old thing Augustine do help support him um, financially and all of his, his medical needs. Um, two of the big expenses that we've had uh, for him have been a, a, a motorized scooter to get around and and several oxygen machines. Um, so if you'd like to help us, uh, continue to support, um, a retired priest, you can go to www.oblisestanagustin.com slash giving, um, and, and you can help us help him.
7: Hello, 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 grifting this week. Uh, what I am, uh, enjoying reading, um, if you've ever wondered what your favorite church father or uh, any other uh, uh, person of note, uh, you know, has ever had to say about certain chapters, or passages in the Gospels, look no farther than the Catena Aurea. Uh, how do I get this here to make sure that it's visible enough? This book here was commissioned, uh, I think, by Pope uh, Urban over the fourth. I, if I recall cor- correctly, uh, this is compiled by Thomas Aquinas, and I have here Volume 1, Part 1. Of course, you can get this, uh, the four Gospels, and you can get, uh, I, I don't have a website where you can get this from, <laughs> unfortunately. I need a, I need a butler. <laughs> uh, this is a great book. It's, a, it's an inspiration. Um, you know, you're just wondering what a church father said about a particular uh, topic uh, in the Gospels or a particular passage. This actually is very good uh, book, uh, anyone you can think of. Let's see who we have in here. We have Saint Isidore, we have Saint John Chrysostom, we have Ambrose, Jerome, Augustine, uh, Saint John Damascene, and a few, few others. You know, so this is a very good compilation. Uh, great work. And um, if you're not reading this, um, why are you even Catholic? Just kidding. But this is a very good book to have in your library. Money, 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 money you're on mute
0: many of you know that i'm in a protected litigation with church militant this is a hobby podcast that i started in my basement and it continues on we recently last week had two million views um on youtube which is a pretty exciting achievement i suspect that's probably why they're suing me but i have no idea uh, I'm suing them as well. Um, it turns out it's illegal to screw with somebody's life the way that they have done to me, and I have to pay for that lawsuit, my suit against them. If you want to, if you want to support me on that, give defeatcmtv slash defeat cmtv. I'd be very grateful for anything you would like to contribute. I feel as though they have acted unjustly, and that they have attempted to use the court as a sword merely to extract details out of my life that they can try to use to embarrass me. And out of thousands of pages, thousands of pages of discovery that I provided them, the smoking gun that they have found is that on November 3rd, when I told you I would hire a CPA to make sure that your Father Jackson fundraise was spent exactly the way it was, that I, in fact, (laughs) did do that. I hired a CPA and I went to the escrow holder and said, hey, time to pay the CPA. That's their smoking gun. So um, out of thousand, look, if I have now been vetted, ladies and gentlemen, I have been vetted. I told my wife I might as well run for for public office now at this point. Somebody's looked into my tax returns, my military records, uh, my real estate transactions, my business, my cell phone, uh, my, my text messages, my emails. Somebody has examined all of those things. And what they have found is that I. Your bathroom. DPA. When I said I was going to, <laughs> uh, so I think I think that's a good sign.
6: But that's a uh, that's actually why you can't run for office is because you're squeaky clean. There's nothing to blackmail you for. I yeah. I know. <laughs> I know. You got to do something and keep it hidden. So that I have can...
0: a visceral reaction to that word blackmail. You know, you try to blackmail me, and I'm just gonna have to expose you. I mean, that's just I. That's just fair. Okay. Uh, it's time to it's time for our unpopular opinions, ladies and gentlemen. We traditionally start with Ryan. Here's guys. I finally out of two years of doing the rundown. I have finally pulled off the hat trick three times in a row. Victorious. Maybe I should let somebody win this week. Maybe I'll just give a (laughs) semi unpopular opinion. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man. Okay. So we do a Twitter poll. You vote for the opinion that is objectively the most unpopular. You, You look at it and you say it. Maybe you agree with all of them, and a lot of you agree with all of them, but you look at it and you say, man, that one is just, that's a tough pill to swallow. Ryan, what's your tough pill to swallow this week?
5: Okay. So <clears throat> my uh, my tough pill to swallow, um, so as everyone knows and as everyone can see on uh, my uh, little name tag I put up here, um, I am an avid Star Trek watcher. I uh, used to be, actually, I should say I used to be. Uh, once upon a time, when Trek was good and it was complicated and it answered, uh, you know, different things that you know dealt with things in the world that that were inter- interesting, complicated, etc. Uh, As ways of dealing with things, it was smart writing in general. It uh, you know every once in a while mixed in with a little bit of action. And now, of course, it has been woke-ified. It has been destroyed. Star Trek: Picard has to be the worst written television in the history of television nobody's watching it except for a handful of people just desperate that it might get better and people like me to mock it and make fun of it and just uh, uh satisfy ourselves that and i wasn't gonna see it and i did i shouldn't have so uh <laughs> but in general comparing that with uh, everything else that's been destroyed by modern woke hollywood disney's losing money they're hemorrhaging money netflix is hemorrhaging money but the woke agenda continues on the woke agenda continues and so, one of the reasons I think this is, and one of the reasons, uh, my unpopular opinion, is that Catholics who have everything there uh, in terms of the drama of the Holy Sacrifice the Mass, the other you know, great history behind us that uh, you know, the, the, even the drama of Salvation History itself, to everything is there to produce uh, you know, amazing, good art and beautiful in an awesome uh, theater, as it were. Uh, don't do it, and we, we've been content too long to let someone else do that for us. Usually, lapsed Catholics in Hollywood turning out smut and things like that. We basically stepped out, we abandoned the culture, and uh, and the culture is gone its so its own way. Grace builds upon nature, and you know, when you know, we got out of it, we just decided to ignore it, not worry about it anymore, not hold Hollywood's feet to the fire. When Catholics stopped supporting the Legion of Decency, when Catholics you know, stopped having good education in the arts, uh, then, you know, that that basically created all the framework for Hollywood to completely fall apart. Uh, or, or whoever your filmmaking is didn't have to be Hollywood per se, but the filmmaking to fall apart, absolutely. In the film, you're, the arts that you produce are indicative of the health of your culture. And you see that in ancient Athens, you see that in Rome, you see that in the Middle Ages, you see that, uh, you know, today where the art we're producing is not even art, it's trash, it's the worst of the worst. And you know, Star Trek Picard was the latest worst of the worst that it, you know that, that it could be produced. And so, my unpopular opinion is the collapse of art shows that our culture is collapsing. And to save culture, we also need to save art, James.
7: Is muted. <laughs> uh, there we go. Yeah, The mute day devil. I know, I know. So here's something interesting, right? Um, we are, of course, living in an age where uh, the papacy is a very visible office, and with that visibility comes very visible popes. Uh, and this might not be a very unpopular opinion, but it, it struck me as how, uh, quote-unquote, uh, you know, Francis, the... Uh, most humble on high, uh, always seems to carry himself around uh, as, as though, you know, wanting to be not visible, he somehow makes himself be even more visible, so that we might just wonder at how humble he is. Well, it would be fitting then, you know, of course, this week, he's been uh, seen in the news as uh, being uh, unable to walk, and he's muttering to his uh, handlers, oh, you know, like my knee's not working Oh, this is terrible. And, you know, he's in the public eye like that. Of course, we, you know, uh, you know, we sh- sort of hope that, uh, you know, the, the uh, Francis is taking care of himself, you know, and and not putting himself at risk. Uh, but I thought, you know, wouldn't it just be fitting if uh, we got rid of all this uh, stuff and just put him on a city gestatoria? So my unpopular opinion is to bring back the Seta Gestatoria just so that we don't have to deal with having to look at somebody trying <laughs> and vying for humility on screen. You know, it's like we're sitting there walk, watching him struggle to walk, just put him on a sede. The and then, you know, that sort of takes takes that out of the equation. So my unpopular opinion is to bring back the seta gestatoria. <laughs>
6: That's unpopular. That's a <laughs> that and it's a environmentally while. friendly too. <laughs> yeah, exactly. there, there you go. Yeah, Totally green. <laughs> <laughs> My popular opinion is a bit, it's a bit more serious than that one. Um, given the the data that Pfizer has put out this week and what we heard about the jab, um, to me, I find it particularly scandalous um, the positions that the Society of St. Pius X took earlier on regarding the jab. Because as you know, it kind of came out simultaneously with what we were saying on the rundown basically saying, if you look at the science, if you look at morality, don't take this thing. And the SSPX kind of said, hey, it's more than Go ahead and take it if you want it. Um, but given that now the stats are out and saying that this thing was trash, um, could be, because people are always saying, oh, go to the SSPX, trust the SSPX. SSPX refers to an institution, and it kind of umbrellas every single priest under it, I'm um, saying you can trust all of them. Uh, kind of thing. Well, if you can only trust individual priests of the SSPX, and then you can only trust individual irregular traditional priests. Um, But if the SSPX as an institution puts out something that um, was obviously incredibly wrong, such as a a jab that causes miscarriages, then they also take responsibilities. And that kind of also shows that um, as an institution that they're not exactly 100% reliable. And so my unpopular opinion was that uh, the SSPX release on the jab Was scandalous. It should scandalize every traditionalist Catholic, and they ought to offer an explanation.
0: Mm -hmm. This is going to be a competitive week, guys, and I'm not going to sandbag this week. I'm going to give you a truly unpopular opinion. My unpop this week is that feminism in traditional circles is often more insidious and more deceptive, but as equally uh, damaging to the family as in Novus Ordo or set, or just even secular circles. It is so often that you see the woman, women are more pious by nature. That is just how they're wired. That's not a sexist comment. That's just a comment on the nature of womanhood. Um, And a lot of times, and especially in Novus Ordo households, you see that the women are leading in the prayers and they're, and their families and they're the ones who like are walking in first at the church and, and all of that. But I have continually noticed uh, in the last 10 years that many traditionalist men have abdicated their roles as kings of their house, as the lords of their manor, as personally responsible for the salvation of their wives and their children. In fact, uh, my unpopular opinion is sort of related to the idea that look fathers of daughters and I have multiple daughters when I walk them down the aisle if I walk them down the aisle I give them away they take a new name they're not art in the rtF family anymore they're in a new family and when you marry a woman you don't join her family she joins your family she takes... Your name. But so many times if you have like a strong personality or if you have something else going on or if you have a family that's been traditional longer or a bigger family or versus a smaller family, whatever the dynamics are, a lot of times the women still believe that they know more, that they're in charge and that they use their husbands as like puppets and they're controlling the strings of their husbands and taking them to mass and dressing them up. And but but they're really in charge. So I am fed up with the level of feminism in traditional circles that I continue to see. And no, I don't think that Steph Gordon's book is going to solve the problem of lack of masculinity. I think the only problem, the, the only thing that's going to solve it is authentic masculinity, which is cultivated by ar- by a, a, a fervor for doing the arduous feminism Femininity, uh, effeminacy are all related concepts. They're all uniquely different, but one of the things about effeminism that relates it to those things is a fear of the arduous, a horror of suffering. And until we can uh, instill in our young men uh, a a longing to suffer, a desire to suffer, a pleasure in suffering, um, we have to dispense with comfort. We have to raise our men in a certain way. And that's the only way to defeat feminism. So if you're listening to this and you're a guy, it's time for you to sack up. There, I said it. And you need to lead the family. And um, you might not be the perfect leader. You might not be the perfect head of household. You might not be the perfect priest, prophet, king. You are the one ordained by God to lead your family. And that's it. So um, let's get rid of feminist traditionalists. Tired of it. I hate it. So So would you
5: summarize that as trad men are cucked and they need to stop listening to the women's?
0: (laughs) (laughs) If that's how it goes out on Twitter, (laughs) I win again. again. (laughs) However you type it up, Ryan. (laughs) 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 But look, it's not just the men though. It's not just like a lack of masculinity. It's the women who refuse. It's the curse of Eve. It's the need to control. It is the I must be in charge. Look, nobody, nobody's perfect. Not you, lady, and not your husband. And but but unless you allow your imperfect husband to lead, your imperfect husband to lead you, uh, then this is never going to work. It's just not going to. It's just not going to work.
6: Thoughts. I mean, in religious life, you have imperfect, imperfect superiors leading you as well. I mean, one should not be hung up on the imperfection, you know.
0: Yeah, that's true. A lot of times, you have a bunch of gays leading you around. Yeah. No, I mean, well, you me know, if, if,
7: <laughs> it, yeah. If there, if there is something as insidious as, uh, well, you know, we're being told, uh, as you know, a woman would say or a woman would say, well, we're being told to do something that's. Absolutely immoral and out of character of, you know, uh, you know, Catholic family or whatever, then that that's a question. But it's not even that it's like, oh, you know, it's the opposite. Well, you know, I just don't know. I'm not sure about this or that. It's like let let your imperfect husband lead, you know, and God will give you the grace uh, to stay with that and to to basically, uh, you know, things will work out on God's schedule, not yours.
0: I had, I had a, I had a TLM priest over for dinner once and uh, he's from one of the orders, one of the big orders. Okay. One of the big three. And he was saying, you know, I, I go to you guys, I go to confession. I, I, I have confession and I have so many exhausted wives that just come into the confessional. And they just unload on me. They tell me how hard their lives are, you know, and they're, they just want their husbands to come home and help them and You know, and and be their servants, you know, and be their support system and change the diapers and all this stuff. And, you know, that's what we need guys to do. We need guys to just come and like support their wives and and be their helpers. And my wife was sitting at the table and she's a woman of few words, as Christine will find out in her deposition. (laughs) And my wife looked at him and said, Father, that's feminism. My husband is not my helper. I don't expect him to come home and be my support system. What you're saying right now is feminism. The wife is the helper of the husband. Knock it off. <laughs> she said it just like that. It was maybe my top five proudest Mrs. RTF moment of all time. Maybe my top... No, the my first, top, The first
6: woman on the rundown needs to be Miss RTF. I'm just saying.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I don't think she'll ever do it. I don't think she'll ever do it. She doesn't even watch the rundown. She uh no it's my top seven it's my top seven proudest moment top six would be the all the natural births that she's done and then number seven would be putting father feminazi in his place, (laughs) right at the the dinner table and we had a bunch of people at the table too we had like an nfl player at the table and we had like a like a hollywood producer at the table we like we had important people at the dinner table and she was like father Knock it off. <laughs> it was pretty it was pretty awesome.
5: So I take it he didn't come back for dinner again another night.
0: <laughs> <laughs> he hasn't been to the house since. This is weird. I don't know.
5: He hasn't been by himself
9: over. I wonder why.
5: Yeah, there, I mean there, there's a sense in which the husband has to have charity for his wife and he has to he has to um you know make her because authority properly exercised. Um You know, it's for, because its basis is a moral claim you have over someone who who is subject to your authority, um, your your autoritas, you know, for basically for a certain (laughs) purpose, for a purpose that's for the good. Um, And that, you know, they they do need to have a sense that they are supported, that you have their back, but that's, um, you know, that's to assist and help you to fulfill your obligation to obey. And that's the thing. And then, the you know, and the husband, likewise, he's in his position where he's got to obey God. That's who he's, you know, is up there. And he does that through the church when it's, rightly, you know, rightly ordered through the priest uh, when he's getting commands in, in line with divine and natural law. And so he's, it's on him. That's the other thing too. So women like, oh, so the husband is just, what right. are That's exactly no, right. Actually, no, right. the husband yeah. is on the hook before almighty God. Yes. Did you waste your time? Or were you laboring for the benefit of your family? Was your wife slaving away with kids like, you know, jumping about ready to destroy everything while you were sitting there playing, you know, playing video games or playing Farmville on Facebook? Or were you just dutifully doing your duty to labor uh, and get things done? Because also, the, there's the other sense of it too. Um, the husband is morally responsible for everything that goes on in the home. And so he, he needs to set things in order. And it's, uh, you know, but that doesn't mean he comes down and is, you know, just doing all these things all the time, um, you know, because there is that proper understanding of, you know, he has to earn the living. He has to be the moral authority in the household. He has to raise things. It doesn't mean he just kind of sits down, reads paper and smokes and ignores his wife. But, you know, there's a balance of charity and things and everyone has in and the, and the wife as the mother has those duties also. And, you know, and my wife is the hardest working person I know period i've never met anyone who works harder than my wife Uh, and i just say you know that way and you know and sometimes i do come in and give her an assist here and there but uh you know when it has to be done especially if i'm home and because then i i need to raise my babies and it sure is a help with her but it's not my job Mm. to like be there all the time to to make it so that she doesn't, you know, it's like I'm lightening her load. Cause I mean, my job is to provide for that family spiritually and materially. And so it's, it's like one of those things that there is a balance where you can come in and assist with those things from time to time, but it's not like, especially for just, just for her own sake, but it's not your normal job. That's not what you're supposed to be doing as a normal course.
7: Yeah. Yeah. But, but I I think Mike, what you're saying, uh, not to, pull back on what Ryan's saying, but I think Mike, what you're saying, correct me if I'm wrong is that of course we're all fa- fallen creatures, you know, and the, the man is not perfect. And then women use that as an excuse to undermine any authority uh, of the man. Is is that kind of what you're saying?
0: Yeah. I mean, you see it all the time. I mean, because you say, look, well, unless you're married to a saint, then, you know, I, I don't have to listen to my husband because he doesn't do this right or that right or whatever. There's always a reason why the curse of Eve finds its way into a family and the woman says, I truly know what's right because I'm the pious one because I'm the one disposed to loving God more. And I and, and and you and women are women excel at look, women excel at finding faults in their husbands. That's one of the things that they just do. They're they're really yeah, good at it. Yeah. We could cultivate that as a strength. Like, hey, l- hey, lady, tell me where I'm wrong here. You <laughs> know what I mean? Like, lay it on me thick. Um, but at the same time, so it's a, it's a, it's it takes both people. It takes a decision, an act of the will of both people. The woman has to submit to her imperfect husband, and the husband has to man up, absolutely man up, and figure out ways where he can where he can delete the effeminacy that we're all born into. And like, look. We're all raised in a soft culture, soft upbringing. None of us have had to clear acres of land by hand as part of our graduation exercise to, you know, to become men. Very few of us in these United States have been through like a crucible. You know what I mean? Like a coming of age. From On this day, you're a boy, but after this accomplishment, you are now a man. That is a cultural thing that, is, that has been in almost all times and all places and all, and all peoples. We don't have anything like that. You know, we just we just arbitrarily say when you're 17 years old and 364 days, you're a boy. But when you're 18 years old, you're a man. Um, you know, so it's I think it's I think it's both things. But yeah, to your point, James, feminism didn't mean to bring up a whole a can of worms at the end here, but um, but yes, <laughs> yes it, it, it takes it's a deliberate act of the will of both of both people. It can, but it but and and you know what? And I don't even care if you're listening to this, if you're a guy or a girl. I don't care. One of you takes the first step to end feminism in your marriage, in your relationship. If you're the girl, submit to the imperfect husband. If you're a guy, man up. Both of you need to do those things. I I don't know if it's, which one comes first. I don't have the perfect book. Okay, um, I married the perfect woman, so I'm I'm good to go. You know, so it's easy for me to talk about it. Um, so that's that.
6: So don't let this rant confuse you of not voting for me for the unpop. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I almost cut you off with the outro just to secure just just my vote, just to make sure that I get Good all one, the feminists voting for me. Crypto feminists. Mm-hmm. Crypto feminists, vote for Mike. This is the rundown. Thanks for watching. God bless.